Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi guys, how you doing? Uh, We are recording this on June 1st. I just want to let everyone know that because I want to acknowledge that there's a lot going on in the world right now with the protests for the justice of George Floyd, as well as a bunch of Black Lives Matter stuff. I mean, everything has really come to a boiling point in our country. And I think that, you know, we have an important platform over here. A lot of our nacho experts are very vocal and educated um, and might just really honestly be looking for a little bit of a break this week. So we are going to include a lot of information in the details of this podcast and the description of the podcast. We're going to have resources for you to be able to donate. Um, but today we are going to just sort of focus on the movie. Uh, this is going to be another just sort of opportunity for you to unplug a little bit and um, listen to me and my friend Allie talk some shit about a Lifetime movie. Um I hope that this is a welcome distraction for you. If it's not, we totally understand. Solid Listen has made a donation towards a bail fund in Minnesota. I really recommend helping out some of the bail funds right now and some of the families that have been affected by this directly, um, in addition to George Floyd's family, um, who have, you know, racked up a ton of money. There are also a lot of other families that need help as well. So, Please, you know, keep in mind that we are aware we're going through this and we are aware that everyone is going through this and um, are just, you know, thankful for those who are using their voice and platform in the right spaces right now. So um, just to acknowledge that now we're going to do what we always do and come together to really just lifetime it out. Um, today's episode is a movie called Secrets of the Sisterhood. It's also known as just the Sisterhood, which is um, is different from the movie we last covered, which is a sister secret. Um, a lot of secrets and sisters this time around. My friend Allie is in Houston, and she is recording this with us today. Hi, Allie. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing okay. (laughs) Are you guys on curfew there? We are not. Um, Texas is kind of acting like uh, everything is normal. So we are not on curfew, not Corona curfew, not protest curfew. So (laughs) it's a very different vibe than L.A., for sure. I mean, I will say, honestly, I feel very lucky in a, you know, sort of double-edged sword kind of way that there's no protests going on in Glendale right now. But also, it's a little bit disheartening um, when you're in a pocket of the country where there doesn't seem to be a lot of movement on stuff. We are on curfew, but um, it's, you know, it's the least, it's the least I feel like I can be put out by. I feel like you know, there's so much going on and absolutely. I'm so thankful to everyone who's been protesting. Um, so 
you and I picked this movie together. Um, it was between a few. It was like cheerleader escort. Yeah. In this one. And um, I'm glad you picked it because I've never seen a, a really like a cult movie before on Lifetime. Oh, really? So this is this is kind of a new area for them. I mean, I'm sure there are cult movies. I I never saw Midsummer. I had no idea Midsummer was like a horror movie about a cult. I also did not see that. And I knew it was a horror movie. Did not know it was about a cult. It just looked very Scandinavian and lovely. So that's good to know. I know. I thought it was like a Scandinavian love story. (laughs) I really (laughs) thought it was something completely different than it was. I was shocked to learn it was a horror movie. Well, um, sometimes love yeah, stories is, are horror movies too, so that's fine. That it that's especially on Lifetime. That's exactly. the truth. I would say almost any love story on Lifetime is rooted in some sort of horror. Um, okay, so the way this movie works um, is. I mean, there's a little flashback at the beginning. We see a woman running down a dark alleyway and she's holding some sort of notebook um, and she's chased down by these women in a car and they grab her and put her in the trunk. And then a woman in a white fur jacket strolls up last and picks up the notebook that she that the girl dropped when she was running and brings it to the trunk of the car and sort of throws it on top of her um, as she like apologizes profusely for trying to run away. So now we cut to present day. Um, the lead of this movie is named Claire Coffee, and I knew I knew that name right away because how could you forget someone named Claire Coffee? Yeah, it's a very distinct name, and also she looks super familiar. Couldn't quite place it, but I definitely know her from somewhere. I know her because she wrote for Hello Giggles. <laughs> That's what I finally put together. She wrote for Hello Giggles, and I believe she also dated a friend of one of my co-founders and might have even been old friends with Zoe from back in the day. Um, Claire Coffey was great in this movie, I thought, just as like a very sort of straightforward, you know, sane one in the movie. Um, even when things get insane, she's a little bit grounded. Um, she's done a lot of different stuff over the years. She was on a show called SWAT, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Grim, which I'm guessing was about like grim fairy tales. Is that the? I actually saw is that some of that before, and it, yeah, it was based on like the Brothers Grimm, like type stories. Uh, I did not follow she also it did- closely enough. <laughs> I, that sounds like a show I would like, but then like wouldn't watch. Yep, um, that, that and it seems it. like it might have also been a backdoor pilot, if I'm not wrong, based on the way I'm reading this. Um, she also did Franklin and Bash, uh, another show I've never seen, but as I have heard is popular, as well as some General Hospital. I love people that did their training in like soap operas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She was on for 170 episodes of General Hospital as Nadine Crowell. Oh my god. So that that's a little bit more than training. I mean, that's that's past training wheels, like that's the whole bike. So she was yeah, she's very Totally. Impressed. 
So um, then we cut to present day where Claire Coffey um, is in a battle with her ex-husband and he wants custody of the daughter. And, you know, she's basically like, as if, like, why would I let my daughter go live with you and your girlfriend? Um, She learns that he's also going to be asking for some alimony. And he says that, you know, he helped her with college and now she's doing very well and she has to pay up a little bit. Um, And she ends that conversation by saying, like, I'll see you in court. I was right away. I was like, oh, fuck this guy, like asking for alimony for putting her through college. But then I, I don't know. I mean, like, I really, by the end of this movie, I'm like, yeah, he should have the kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, let's, we don't want to get it too ahead of ourselves. But if you are susceptible to a cult, you probably should not have custody of your kid. Uh, that's just kind of a, a basic ground rule there. But I mean, yeah, at the b- very beginning, like I really could not stand him. He gave me like Louis C.K. vibes. Um, yeah. Like so Louis is a divorce K. Like it was not <laughs> super great. <laughs> and then he wanted his kid and he wanted coins. Like, no, sir, you you need to go ahead and take your mistress and just simmer down. Uh, but yeah, by the end of the movie, I was fully on his side. <laughs> I will say kind of bold of Lifetime. Like this kind of speaks to the movie that they were able to get us on board with like a bald redhead. Oh, yeah. In this <laughs> like, climate, like we were they, like, yep, OK, sure. Yeah, we we're like, fine. OK, because like he's like, you know, I mean, he was kind of good looking. Like I could see it, I guess. And it's very rare that they're going to cast a guy like this to be like not just the good guy but like someone you could see our lead having slept with and loved at one point yeah um you say something about oh like oh she's susceptible to a cult and like you know what ali fuck you because i think i could be in a cult (laughs) well you know what and and after i said it i was thinking like you know what i'm about like two bad days away from putting on one of these little garbs and just joining a cult I like honestly like when people tell me that they think that they wouldn't be in a cult I'm like oh please like your ass would be in a cult like don't you get it that's I'm sorry, the thing with the cult depression? Like, like let's join a cult yeah this is oh congratulations on your healthy family life like congratulations oh you came on from a stable background out. okay <laughs> Oh, you have boundaries. Okay. Um, So she um, goes into her office and there's like a little bit of like a mixer going on. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Terrence, uh, this guy, got the senior VP job over her. Her boss is telling her this. And, you know, she was the one who was supposed to get it. And the boss is like, listen, we'll talk about it. You know, I think you could get the next promotion. Maybe we can go out for drinks sometime. And see how that can happen. Um, so we know she's being sexually harassed at work. Um, that night, she and her daughter are eating some Chinese food for dinner in their gorgeous modern home when the doorbell rings, and it's Aunt Jasmine. So Aunt yes. Jasmine looks like a gym teacher. Which is very spot on. I mean, that that's exactly throughout. As soon as she came to the door, I was like, okay, so she's either a gym teacher, she owns a gym, which we later found out she absolutely yeah. does. Uh but yeah, she had a very like sporty spice vibe. She definitely like was someone who 
I think had Jim energy and was cast and not like such an amazing actress that she developed Jim energy. Yeah. I, I could totally um, see that. So Ash looks like very unhappy to see Jasmine. Um, and she apparently like had told Grace, her daughter, that Jasmine had been working on the West Coast. And Jasmine's like, oh, I'm back from that. So right away you're like, okay, was she in jail? Like, what does working on the West Coast mean? You I mean, know? It's kind of like when in my Italian family, whenever people went to college and uh it was jail and or prison. So uh, I feel like the West Coast was just kind of like, oh, yeah, you went to the West Coast and it was like rehab. Right. I, I had a neighbor when I was growing up and there was a summer where he went to Mexico to work on a farm. And I remember like not even like maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago, I was talking to my mom and I was like, oh, yeah, like, remember that summer that like Roger went to work on a farm? And my mom looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. And she was like, Molly, he was in jail. And I was like, why are you why are you why was I supposed to know that? Like, why am I an idiot for not putting together this man was in jail? Like. I was a kid too. I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. You guys didn't bring me in on the on the gig. So I really thought that he was working on a farm in Mexico. Which is a very believable that- story. So yeah, you know, that's that's fine. That's a normal thing for a kid to hear and think like, okay, yeah, he's going to live on a farm and he's working for the summer. That's a nice summer job. Yeah, I mean, that's he, what everybody from Massachusetts goes and does. Well, he wasn't not broke, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, oh, uh, so crazy that he got an opportunity to go work on a farm in Mexico. And like, yeah, he would write really long letters. Um, (laughs) But he would be like promising his kids, you know, all these toys that he was going to buy them. And I remember everyone being like, that's so unfair that he's promising them all these things when he comes home. And I was like, well, he's been working on a farm in Mexico he all summer. Really like, he worked really hard. He should have some money to like buy these toys. Um, anyway, they had a Sega and I did not. So I feel like they were doing better than I was. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's luxury. <laughs> so um, Ashley wants to know what Jasmine wants. And it's very tense between them in this scene. And I'm really like, I'm lobbing you over the head with this about how tense it is between them because we're going to see a shift in in just a short moment. Um, that's really it's really wild um, to believe that they were so tense when you first meet them. She says she's been Jasmine's been sober for nine months. She isn't looking to borrow money. The gym that she owns is doing well, and as she finds out that she's been you know, um, or sorry, Jasmine finds out that Ashley's been going through a lot with her ex and she's really sorry for leaving her to deal with the death of their mom. We find out that like, you know, mom died while Jasmine was getting sober. Um, the tension between the two of them is really, is really rough in this scene, but Jasmine tells her that she wants to make it up to her. She's going to bring her to a private social club called the sisterhood. Um, She says it's really all about women's empowerment and they help assist with whatever issues come up in the day to day. And, you know, it's a little bit of a secret society. Um, And I guess, you know, in some worlds, these like, you know, society, secret societies do exist. It feels a little bit like a um, like a sorority. Yeah. 
it, it kind of did have sorority vibes, uh, but like a sorority meets like low levels of Scientology. Like that's kind of totally. the way that it was presented, which I mean, that's, that's not wrong, but I mean, nothing really says like, let me repay you for your patience while I was on my sober journey, like taking you to a cult. Like that was what really struck me that I'm like, you know what? I don't need that kind of repayment. Uh, but then again, like they pulled up to this house and it was actually like a very beautiful house, not to get too distracted on it. But if you had to be in a cult, that was the house to be in. Well, again, cause like, this is like, you know, you and your mom's sorority c- connections were so helpful to me when I went through that thing in Nashville where a guy broke into my hotel room. Like your mom had like the, so- like the sorority <laughs> network like lit up like trying to get me some Southern connections. Cause like, I didn't know anyone locally and you're like, Oh, my mom reached out to this sister and this chapter. And like, it was very, um, everyone sort of just came together. So when Jasmine's like, yeah, they're like sisters who help each other out. Like (laughs) I was thinking, maybe you know, my mom. (laughs) Yeah. Like some phone numbers, like maybe, you know, getting some phone numbers together, like a resource. Um, so they get there to this like party at again, a gorgeous house. I don't know how exactly you would describe this house, but I do know that it was in Canada. Um, and I put that together because Siobhan Murphy, who plays Jasmine, is a mainly Canadian actress. Ooh. Everything okay. she has done, including uh, being on Degrassi, was um, Canadian projects. And from what I understand, like especially with like a show like Degrassi, all of that stuff is run through the Canadian government. So you're not going to be on a show like Degrassi unless you are a Canadian citizen. And no, I do not know how to explain what happened with Kevin Smith. Trust me. I have I have thought about it so much. It's bothered me for years because ever since I found out, I could never write on Degrassi. Um, and then Kevin Smith popped up. It's, it's bothered me immensely. Um, but anyway, so... Um, Jasmine sees that Desiree is there and Desiree is like the leader of the pack. I think that, you know, it's often important that we recognize how little they cast minorities in lifetime movies. Um, and the sisterhood is mostly white. There's a couple Latinx and a couple Asian girls, but for the most part, it is a very white group of women. Yeah, it's a Desiree, very white room. Desiree is this like gorgeous, you know, thrown together, put together, broad shouldered African American black woman. Like she is just like, she is everything. Um, and she is leading this group. I always think it's unfortunate when, same thing in a sister's secret, like the one moment of representation turns out to be the bad guy. Yeah. Cause this is a great role. It what really she is. had is Lisa Berry is the actress and she played Desiree Hunt, um, who we find out is like a really adored figure in the sisterhood. She's the leader of the pack. Um, she's done a bunch of different stuff. She's been on tons of TV shows. Um, I just, you know, it, it's interesting because in on one hand, I'm like, good for her. She got the best role in the movie. But on the other hand, I'm like, why does this, why does this happen? And I have to say, I, I, I oddly don't think it's like racially motivated when they happen to give this like 
the most prominent role to a person of color, especially a black woman. I don't always think that's racially motivated. I just think it's like, I don't know, it might be a casting microaggression, if I'm being honest. I really don't know why that happens. Um, But I just always think like, God, I wish they had thought more about that. I wish they had thought more about how that looks. And this movie came out in 2019. So it's like pretty fresh. Right. Like, Um, I mean, in the current climate of things, even in 2019, I mean, it's something that probably somebody should take a second look at. Kind of like you said, maybe it's like a subconscious microaggression. Uh, But I I mean, the role itself was like a fantastic role. I think it kind of speaking to what you were saying, whenever you kind of pan to the room of the sisterhood at first, I mean, I was absolutely struck that it was like the secret society of like white women. And I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of a, a weird vibe. But, you know, kind of tying back in with everything else too, that had there been more diversity in the room, I think that Desiree's character, I wouldn't have even been distracted by it at all, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know? No, I agree. Because, like, I had to squint, like, at the group to see if there was anyone who wasn't just, like, visibly a white woman, you know? Like, white passing or whatever, like... This like I really had to squint and I was like, oh, that that's an Asian woman or oh, that's a Latinx woman right. or whatever. But I, it was um, I, you had to squint like to make yeah, sure that it wasn't a room. To see. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so Jasmine uh, sees that Desiree is there and she's like, oh, my God, it's a good night. Desiree's here. Uh, We find out that she's a female Tony Robbins. She helps so many women all the time. Jasmine introduces her sister to Myra. And Myra is basically Desiree's number two. Um, And, you know, there's lots of big hugs in the room. It's a very huggy room. Um, Desiree believes, you know, that you can achieve more by, um, by being secret. They're basically like female Freemasons. Um, which, you know, that's some tea because like, I feel like the Freemasons, um, get a lot done. I, <laughs> I don't really know exactly what it is, but the Things Freemasons are, are very, I've seen the national treasure movies, so I know things are happening. <laughs> I read the Reddit conspiracy boards. Okay. The Freemasons seem like a very busy group. Um, but yeah, so Desiree has a book that Ashley has never read. Um, but she says that her book is, you know, basically the way all of her books are. She never gets to books. Um, and, and Desiree says, you know, the book is sort of just how she can help people broadly. Um, the, like, the sisterhood is really so that she can help people in a very tangible way. So we're going to start with her addressing the group and then go through a little bit of a ceremony. Let's play 920 to 1303. Excuse me. May I have your attention for a few minutes, please? It is just so wonderful to see each and every one of you here tonight. First, some club business. This past week, the Sisterhood made an anonymous donation in the amount of $25,000 to our local women's shelter. (laughs) You guys did that. (laughs) Myra, 
you haven't shared in a while. Would you be willing to say a few words about your journey? Of course. For those of you who are somewhat new to the group, I suffered from severe depression after the death of my daughter. It got to the point where I could barely get out of bed. And then a friend gave me Desiree's book. And it spoke to me like she had written it specifically for me. I took her course and I realized that the best thing I could do for myself was to help other people and that I could honor my daughter's death by empowering other women. Your guidance didn't just get me out of bed. It helped me discover my purpose in life. So thank you. And thanks to all of you, the women in this room, my sisters. I'm closer to you than my actual family. We are your family. And now we have a real treat for you tonight. Our sister Sonia has shared with us in the past that she lacked self-confidence. And growing up, her biggest fear was always public speaking. We got her over that one, didn't we? (laughs) And tonight, she's going to take it up a notch. Sonia. Hey, where'd you go? I um, just had to deal with some club business. Let us pause in life's pleasures. So, and what do you think? Everyone seems really into it, huh? You say that like it's a bad thing. No, it's, it's just with the secrecy of it, it just feels a little bit like... What? Like a cult. The sisterhood is nothing like a cult. No, I, I'm sure you're right. And it really does seem to have helped you. Yeah, it has. And I, I think it could help you too, which is why I'm putting your name forward for membership. I just, I feel like this is something that we could do together. Jasmine, I'm sorry. I just don't think this is for me. You've had my back for our entire lives. I mean, you bailed me out of jail. You paid for my rehab, my rent. Now I can finally try and pay you back. You don't have to pay me back. I want to. This whole thing has turned my life around. It's it's the most important thing to me. I just want to share it with you. Okay, so Sonia is a fucking sad case. First of all, let's just start by acknowledging that. Look. Here's the deal. As soon as they pulled out that microphone stand, I was like, here we go. So it was. Don't you hate it? It was a really (laughs) sad cult karaoke moment. And I didn't care for it, but I understand it needed to happen. (laughs) Cult karaoke. That's like if Tom Cruise had like um, his own talk show, like his James Corden moment. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So I will say that, yes, I agree with you. There's no bigger fear for me personally than being confronted with someone singing in a small room, Mm -hmm. like very earnestly. There's nothing worse than like when 
someone decided to interpret like the opportunity to like have your own sort of presentation in school as an opportunity for them to sing. There was nothing worse than that growing up, honestly. Um, so I wanted to, again, stress at the beginning how tense things were between these two sisters and how broken things were between these two sisters. Because based off of this scene, you would think that Ashley has never been through anything tough with Desiree at all. Like the way that they sort of look to each other and seem to like lean on each other. It does not imply in any way that these two sisters have had a tremendously fractured and damaged relationship that extended into the death of their mother. Um, it is like kind of really surprising that these two have been through stuff together. Yeah. I mean, it, they really seem to have such a close bond that had we not seen the beginning part of this movie, like, and by beginning part, I mean, like four minutes before this scene happened. Right. Like it would have never connected. Yeah. It's like almost as if they went too hard. Like the director didn't tell, you know, Miss Claire coffee, like, okay, you're, you're mad at your sister. You're hurt. But, you're not like she hasn't betrayed you forever. I yeah, felt like the exactly. way that she was acting was as if she had been betrayed permanently forever, had her sister's number. I mean, that is also a little bit of the having a family member or close person to you that is a serious addict element of it where you sort of have to build up a boundary. And I don't know if this was a nod to how difficult it can be to maintain a boundary when someone you care about has gotten clean um, after they've burned you several times. Like I was like, maybe she's just always had a soft spot for her sister, but it for the two scenes didn't link up for me at all, especially you know, I will say I'm glad that this movie is coming from a place where it's new enough that we don't have to sort of beat around the bush about what a cult is. Like, we are all very clear what cults are when this movie starts. They're not speaking down to the audience. They're not sort of, like, walking you through what the idea of a cult may be. No. Like, we get the word straight from Ashley's mouth. Like, this seems like a cult, um, which is nice because... We don't have to do all that sort of like painstaking setup to figure out what exactly that means. Um, so the one thing with this cult right away, I want to note they're pushing people towards goals. That seems to be um, a selling point. And this also seems a little bit like what they might do on an introduction night if it was tailored towards a person. Like I've always thought, what is the purpose of that meeting that night? Because they all got together like spoiler alert, knowing that Ash was going to be coming. So right. I always thought about like the importance of the elements that happened there, like getting Myra to come up and talk about her overcoming a lot of the pain that she experienced since her daughter died. And even Sonia, you know, moving past her problem with public speaking, which for some reason they shaded where they were like, oh, we all know she has no problem with public speaking <laughs> yeah, now. this little like, chatty Kathy that's about to give you a performance of a lifetime. Like, no, like, I don't understand why that was such a little dig. But no, I, well, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree because clearly they were grooming Ash. Like that was clearly what was happening there. But that was the part that like, I was like, oh, if if I was in this room, I probably wouldn't join the cult just based on how they shaded Sonia. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, don't, what if I want to sing next? Like you don't know my life, but you do <laughs> right. know my life because that's the whole point of the cult is, you know, everything about my life, but I don't want to sing, but you don't know that yet. So, uh, right. Exactly. Like yeah. maybe I'm going to want to be on Canadian Idol and I'm going to need your support with that. Exactly. I'm going to need those connections to come in whenever I need all the votes I can get to be the next Idol. So no. Dude. Des could have you win Canadian Idol the first week. She'd just have the competition shut down. She literally would have someone bash Simon Cowell's knees so that they had to like completely end the season and you were just declared the automatic yeah, winner. Yeah, by default, um, you were the winner. <laughs> so Des then says, okay, let's get Ashley up here. And Ashley comes to the front of the room. I'm going to play this clip as well because they spend a lot of good time in this scene there's a lot of groundwork in here. I love a good groundwork scene mm-hmm. um, that isn't just full of... I mean, there's exposition throughout this whole scene. A lot of, like, you know, basic details that we have to understand in order to get on Ashley's side about why she even needs to be there. But, um, yeah, let's play 310 to 1605. And finally, as I'm sure you've all noticed, we have a very special guest here tonight, Jasmine's sister, Ashley Shields. Ashley, why don't you come up here and tell us a little bit about yourself? It's okay. We don't bite. Uh, I was... Born here in Philly. I got my finance degree from Penn. And now I work as an accountant at an investment firm. Uh, I have an 11-year-old daughter, Grace. I don't know what else to say. I understand that you're recently separated. Uh, yeah. How are you holding up? I'm... I'm fine. It's okay. You're in a safe place. You can tell us about it. Well, there's not much to tell. Um, my husband left me for another woman. Her name is Julie. And she is a cop. And now we're going through a custody battle and I'm trying to keep things simple for the sake of my child, but it's not easy. And you're also having trouble at work. Sorry? With your boss. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. What's the situation with him? He's not making a pass at me. He's passing me over for a promotion that I deserve and giving it to his golfing buddy instead. And how does that make you feel? Um, frustrated and angry. Uh, and it feels like all I do is work and clean and drive and work. Um, I just never have any fun anymore. And I'm lonely. So, uh, I guess, no, my life is not fine. It's actually a big mess. I'm sorry. Hey, 
Don't be. Thank you for being so open. Things can get better. The sisterhood can help you. So, I mean, she's in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was no turning back from this point. Like, she might try to pretend like, "Uh, I don't know about it. No, she was in. And the thing, again, and, and I'm sitting here judging it, but at the same time, like, I am two bad days away from it. But, like, if a stranger knows intimate details of your life, but you're still sitting there spilling all of that damaged tea. And like, right. you're like, yeah, you just keep asking me questions. You know, I know. Let's go ahead and sign the paperwork. Where do I send the check? Where do I get my little dress? I'm ready to join. Like, it's, oh boy. I know. <laughs> I will say props to Claire Coffey for not being hammy when she had to say the line when he's not passing me over for promotion he's making passes at me like she really sort of didn't play into how hammy that line probably wanted her to be yeah um and she just sort of read it straight which i thought was kind of cool um but yeah so like everyone comes and they're all hugging her at this point and jasmine's sort of like staying in her place in the back and is like watching her sister be embraced by all of these women. She looks proud. She looks a little emotional and she looks a little sad. It's a very sort of conflicting, um, you know, she's going through a lot of emotions as she's watching her sister um, do this while also staying very still. So props to the actress for um, making a lot happen in just the brief second she had to react. So um, Ashley reads Des's book back at home um, and, you know, it's about comfort and knowing that you're not alone and how we all need to come together and take our, off our masks and be vulnerable and honest, um, which, you know, do not take off your mask right now, sweetheart. Okay. Keep your mask on. That is bad advice yeah, in this world mask from on. Mask on. Yes. So Gracie comes into the door with her dad after visitation weekend and they watch movies and ate sushi. And it's basically like a great single dad weekend um, is what she's describing. And I have to say, I feel for moms in this position because it must suck to be the heavy, you know, like seven or six days a week or whatever. And then your kid goes to their dad's house for a day and they have just this wonderful experience of going to the movies and eating out and going to the zoo and like doing all this shit. And then they come back to your house where you have to be the heavy. Yeah. I mean, that that clearly is not the easy role at all to play. And like, I, I my heart breaks because you know that 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 explains like the wine and the Chinese food perfectly. Because like, that's like, I need comfort. I need wine. You just went off and had a great weekend with your dad, but now it's school time and you're coming back here and I get to play bad cop. So yeah. After working all you know, all all week long. Like being being the main source of financial support. So he suggests to her, um, to Ash that they skip the whole custody court thing and just get an arbitrary. Um, which I thought he like I don't I've never heard of that. Um, but he just wants to like sort of handle it 
um, in a way that it doesn't go to court. They make right. a finalized decision about the custody and the um, alimony and all of that. And it's just sort of done in one day. And he partially, you know, wants to do this because it's just better for Gracie to like know where she's going to wind up in the future. Um, and she agrees to this, even though it is final. Um So then we go back to Ash's work and her boss um, pops into the office and he's being very awkward. Um, It's as if he's just been threatened with blackmail (laughs) by a cult leader. It's so weird that that's Um, the exact vibe that he had. It's just so strange. Right. It's like crazy is. Yeah. So he apologizes to her um, if his behavior has been unprofessional. He tells her that he couldn't get a promotion, but he, he did get her a raise. Um, and Ashley is telling Jasmine about this. And she's like, you know, does makes things happen, which is interesting because later on, Ashley's going to have no idea that does had anything to do with this. Like when she says does makes things happen. I'm like, is it like the secret where it's like where you read her book and then it and then yeah. things happen? Like, I don't know why Ash is confused later on about does having a hand in this. Yeah, I, I don't think that there should have been any confusion there as to exactly what happened. <laughs> right. Uh, right. This wasn't like you read a motivational like Iana fix my life book. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, these doors are just opening for me you didn't manifest this like (laughs) it was a heavy blackmail moment and so I don't that was kind of a disconnect because I was like okay earlier and throughout the movie she really plays this like intelligent grounded character and then I was like okay wait what happened and then I was like oh yeah well again we're we're in a very susceptible place. So I yeah, I, I definitely had a disconnect. I wrote in my note that this moment was like exactly when I knew this movie was gonna be like juicy. Like I knew it was gonna be a good one. <laughs> oh yeah. So because- Ash wants to know, you know, if all of this stuff is above board. And Jasmine's like, duh. And then Ash is like, okay, well I'm in. I'm joining the cult. So <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, sure. But- why not? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's hard. Like, if you were to get me vulnerable, like, I'd be like, ah, like, how bad is it going to be? Like, you know, she'll probably threaten to kill me if I threaten to leave. But like, like, come on. Like, why not? Like, it's you probably gotta roll not. The dice. Like, you just got to roll the dice with that one, because at least you're going to have some good ups before you clearly get taken down and then probably murdered. So, like, you got to just totally. live life while you can. Because, like, aren't all of our lives being controlled in one way or another? Like, aren't we all voluntarily or involuntarily in some sort of, you know, universal cult? Yeah, I mean, on a deeper level and, and like, on an existential level, sure. I I mean, we could all... The government's a cult, man. You know what I mean? (laughs) Hold on. I I have to go grab my tinfoil hat real quick. I'll be right back. But uh, if we're the gonna... government is the real cult, <laughs> the government's the real cult, man. 
Damn, it's those political parties we're in, dude. That's the real cult. So um, Jasmine says that part of the initiation is a one-time fee of $10,000, mm-hmm. and the annual fee is five grand. Um, and Ash is like, uh, okay, so that's the catch. She's like, my raise isn't that big. And then Jasmine reminds her that Ash was the one who received all of her mom's inheritance. And Ashley was like, yeah, listen, I was just as surprised as you, but... You know, um, and Jasmine's like, I was, I wasn't surprised. Like, your mom's favorite. Everyone knew you were mom's favorite. Obviously, you were going to get all of the inheritance. Um, she, Jasmine seems to have a pretty good grip on this. Um, and we don't know at any point how much the inheritance was, but let's just say it was obviously a lot of money. Right. Um, so, Everyone rolls up to the sisterhood house that night for Ash's initiation, and she walks into an empty dining room where all of the sisters are in white matching dresses with a scarf draping over their arms. Mm-hmm. And most of the women have black scarves, but there are yellow scarves and red scarves. I wrote it's like karate, like karate belt, belts, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, it's basically yeah, like a belt system, but... Again, I have no idea what the colors coordinated to, and we never got clarity on that. Uh, But, like, I was very intrigued by the different, like, it was like a class system of the belt colors. Uh, But, yeah, everybody was in the same exact dress. It it was a very nice kind of pagany slash, like, sorority pledge ritual. Uh. It looked like a, a Madewell dress. Like, yes. it looked like a dress that you might buy at Madewell being like, oh, this is kind of like a cute white linen dress. Like, I feel like I could dress this up with some accessories and wear this to, like, the local craft fair that I'm working <laughs> at for some reason. Yep. Like, it's yep. a There's very... A lot um, of, like, yarn crafts that are involved in your life if you bought a dress like this, which is not a bad thing uh, at all. So it was a dress that I feel like I have made the mistake of buying, though, at one point in my life where I thought, like, I was a different person. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's like a whole genre of like my closet is I have um I had like a pink Ted Baker purse with like rose gold hardware. And I don't know what happened. I think I just like blacked out in a Ted Baker and was like, oh, yeah, this is who I am. Dude, that purse cost $400. I completely forgot I owned it. I found it in my closet. I went up selling it on eBay because I just like completely... I don't know. Like, I think I just blacked out and thought, like, oh yeah, this is who I am. Oh, that happens. I don't all even the like time, those goals. Yeah, no, that, I that hate happens. Those goals. I don't know what. Again, everything's a cult system. So, like, when you go shopping, sometimes you go into like a Madewell, for example, and you're going to see a lot of prairie dresses. You're going to see a lot of things that make you feel like maybe you're going to do kundalini yoga in your free time like that's the kind of thing and I'll walk in there and be like yeah this is who I am now this is the new me and I will walk out with a bag full of clothes that once I get home I'm like oh nope that is not me 
at all. Never has been, never will be. There's an expression that like when you buy a book, you're not buying the book. You're buying the time that you think you will have to read that book. And that is very much how I feel about clothing like this, where it's like, (laughs) this isn't a part of my life. Like I'm trying to buy a lifestyle. Um, But okay. So Ash walks to the front where Des is standing with Myra, who is holding a pink scarf. And um, we also, I should note that Jasmine's scarf is red. I, most of the women seem to have black scarves. Um, But yeah, so let's play this clip of her being initiated into the cult 2002 to 2113. I am strong because my sisters have my back. I am strong because my sisters have my back. I am safe because my sisters keep me safe. I am safe because my sisters keep me safe. I devote myself to my sisters above everything else in my life. I devote myself to my sisters above everything else in my life. Fully, foremost, and forever. Fully, foremost, and forever. Welcome to the family. Today's show is sponsored by one of my favorite sponsors, the mobile puzzle game Best Fiends. You know, sometimes you start playing a game on your phone and at first it's kind of whatever and then it slowly becomes a thing you turn to whenever you have 10 minutes to kill. Yeah, that is me with Best Fiends. Last time I told you about this game, I was on level 187. And now a month later, I am on level 636. I go for it the most when I'm writing or working on my notes for the podcast. And I just need a quick little break. I play a couple levels. I feel like I've refreshed my brain. And then I just go back to whatever I was working on before. It's fun and colorful and easy to understand, but challenging in the right way. I mean, you're definitely solving a puzzle. In the game, your enemies are slugs and you're your squad are cute little bug characters with special skills that you collect along the way. You evolve the characters with the prizes you win at the end of each level so they get stronger and better at helping you beat the slugs. The game updates monthly with new themes and new challenges. In the time that I've been playing, there's been themes like collecting Easter eggs or Memorial Day parade candy, and now I'm collecting Hawaiian Lays. They also introduced new levels so you can play the same game for months on end, but it doesn't get monotonous. One of the most convenient parts of Best Fiends is that you don't need to be on Wi-Fi to play it, so it's there for you literally whenever. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. All right. So, I mean, I actually don't have a problem with this pledge uh, outside of, you know, her daughter. Right. In general, what else does Ash really have going on? Yeah. (laughs) 
we wouldn't be watching this movie. This would be a very different movie if you had a lot going on for you. But yeah, like right. I mean, clearly the daughter was kind of the thing where she's like, wait, above everything else. Uh, but yeah, other than that, she was very down to sign up. So after she joins the cult, they have a little cocktail reception uh, and Des says to Ash that, you know, it's great to have her be a part of it. She thanks her for whatever she said to her boss, though. She's like, what did you say? And Desiree's like, you know what? I just appealed to his better nature. Most people will do the right thing if they're properly motivated. Ashley offers to help, you know, her and Desiree is sort of like, trust me, I'll need your help. But tonight, just enjoy your night. So... (laughs) We find out that Ashley wins primary custody of her daughter. They're in the like arbitrary arbitrator's office or whatever. I forget. Arbiter. Arbiter, I think is what they kept calling it. But anyway. Anyway, that's a word. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're in that meeting. And it's like kind of just, I mean, it's a landslide. And her ex looks just completely blown away by um, how fucked he is in this deal. Mm -hmm. The assets will be spent. A split 50-50, but she will owe no alimony and her inheritance won't be touched. Her ex-husband will actually be paying her $3,000 a month in alimony moving forward. Both parties agreed to this being final. And when the lady leaves the room, she gives Ash a look like, I got you. Um, so Ash goes to Jasmine's gym and Jasmine's gym is like her gym. And then there's a little apartment attached to it. Um, which I do love in life. I love it when someone lives attached to their business. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming, and when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Like we had um, a family in town in my summer town that owned a restaurant and it was their whole downstairs of their house. And then upstairs was like where they lived their private life. Um, So Ash is at Jasmine's gym after the ruling and she can't believe how amazing the sisterhood has been to her so far. And Jasmine says that she should, you know, think about tithing. Um, which is donating money to basically a church or something. Um, and she says that, you know, the sisters are expected to give a gift when they come into a chunk of money, meaning a piece of her inheritance, because Des mm-hmm. helped her save a lot of money with that custody agreement. Um, and Ash wants, you know, like, basically, she's like, this is the second time the inheritance has come up and she just wants to you know, confront this head on. And she says, you know, obviously this is still upsetting you. And Jasmine says that if all of the money had been left to her, she would give half to Ashley and Ashley leaves the gym. And, um, Desiree and another member are Myra are in the car waiting out front. And they ask, you know, can we trust her right now? And Myra says she's been digging, but she can't find any dirt on Ashley yet. And Desiree says, keep working on that. And in the meantime, I'll give her special attention. Um, I was shocked by what special attention means and the lengths to which she uh, gave that special attention. But we see um, Gracie and some of her other teammates for the dance team are out selling candy bars. Um, and 
you know, Ashley introduces Des to Grace and she says they are raising money for new uniforms for the cheer team. Des says that she'll buy a whole case of chocolate. And then she thinks about it and she says, you know what? I know enough people in the dance world. Why don't I just buy all of your uniforms? Um, then she asks Ashley if they can get a drink that night. And Ashley says she can't get someone to watch Grace. And she says one of the sisters will do it for her. This is the kind of thing they do for each other. So Ashley goes to meet Desiree that night. And the area she's in is pretty desolate. It looks like almost like a business district of town where maybe it might be busy Monday through Friday. But at nights and on weekends, it's dead empty. Um, it's very much like a developing part of town. Yeah. Um, it's like the bar that she goes to is a real dive bar. And when I say a real dive bar, I mean like one of those places that only regulars drink. And if you go in and you are not like a 50-something-year-old divorced man who's an alcoholic and has been ordering the same drink there every day for... 25 years exactly they're not going to be friendly to you or maybe even offer you a drink like it's just yeah, it's you that stick out like bar. a sore thumb like this is not this isn't like a bar that you just pop in and it's kind of popping like it's it's kind of it's kind of on the seedier side and it's clearly regulars only Right. Like if you if I went in there and sat down, they probably wouldn't even ask me if I wanted a drink. Um, But Des comes in and basically as soon as she comes in, everyone starts to leave Um, like the place. Basically, you realize, oh, this is this is her place that she runs. Um, And I don't know. I mean, there's something sort of surprising about it. I don't I mean, I really don't know how else to describe it other than. I was a little shocked by how the club sort of really quickly turned into like a nightclub atmosphere. Um, that was very, you know, it was, it was like, it was her place. Well, it was, it was business time. Like it was, it was clearly there was going to be business handled and everybody cleared out. You got uh, champagne brought out from this behind this dirty little bar. <laughs> you had champagne right. on ice. Like, I mean, it was, it was business time. I wonder like what the deal is there because all of the guys were so they just like were they completely deferred to her like the way that they all just sort of like moved. I made me wonder if they were all employees of hers or if there was some sort of like unspoken. Th- I mean, clearly well, there's yeah, an unspoken there was a, there thing was a there. understanding there. I mean, I don't think that there was necessarily like a connection beyond probably some form of blackmail and money funneling through there. <laughs> so I don't, right. I, I don't think that it was anything like beyond that, but I think they clearly all knew that Desiree was, she meant business. And whenever she walks through the door, everybody else leaves and you let her have the floor. Um. So we're going to play this clip of um 2650 to 2850 where Des and Ash are going to learn a lot about each other. Type of establishment. What can I say? I'm drawn to the lack of ambiance. <laughs> you play? Oh, no, not well. Perfect. I'll break. So, I hear things went well with the arbitration. Yeah better than I would have ever thought possible. Listen, I really appreciate... I'm really just happy that it all worked out. 
You're up. Are you really this bad, or am I being hustled? Oh no, I'm really this bad. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks. To family and friends. So how's Grace handling the divorce now that it's final? As well as can be expected. She thinks it was mutual and that Rick met Julie after we were separated. Good on you. Taking the high road. Hmm. I don't know. If I'm being honest, bugs me sometimes that she probably is closer with him, but he was the stay-at-home parent, and I worked full time, and nights and weekends. It's not easy being a woman in the workforce. I had my share of bosses just like yours. Wow, you have certainly accomplished a lot since then. <laughs> and like I said, if there's anything I can do to contribute. Actually, there might be. We lost our treasurer a while back. She handled all of our finances. Do you want me to help out with the accounting? If you're willing. Yeah, of course. Fantastic. <laughs> Then let me teach you a few things about pool. Ah, <laughs> yes. All right. Corner box. So after the bar, Ashley is walking to her car um, and this kind of like cracked out guy comes out of nowhere with a knife and holds her up. He takes her purse. He wants her watch. And then Desiree comes out of fucking nowhere and beats the shit out of him and takes the knife. Um, she holds up the knife and she's like, don't give me a reason to use this, um, which I was like, oh, that's <laughs> badass. Um So Desiree walks to her car after. And of course, the guy is in her car. It's her friend. And he's like, did you really have to hit me that hard? And he is like, you know, he's like, I think you're getting off on beating guys. And, you know, he goes, all right, well, let me know if you need anything else. And he starts to get out and he goes, hey, she goes, hey, I didn't say I was done with you. So I was like, oh, she's like fucking these guys too. Next level. Oh, yeah. Um. (laughs) So when she gets home, Grace and the sister, Sonia, the singer slash over talker, um, they were, you know, they were um, doing meal prep for the entire week. That's how she spent her night babysitting her is meal prepping. Um, And she says that it was Des's suggestion. And so, you know. Ashley tries to pay her some money and she goes, no, don't be silly. We're family and gives her this really long, really intimate feeling hug. And Gracie's just sort of watching this like, um, yeah, like that was a a weird vibe. Like what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Who is this weird lady that made me meal prep? And why is she giving you that hug? Right, 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 right. It's like the meal prep in and of itself was weird, but then there's this long (laughs) hug and, you know, true. Like, I don't know if you, if anyone else here like had people that were like sort of friends of the like family that you didn't know that while babysit, but like, it is a weird vibe. Um, so then there's this moment where the two of them watch Sonia, like put on her coat and then put her bag over her shoulder and then silently leave as like giving a little wave as she walks out the door. And one thing I'm thinking when I'm watching this is that Gracie seems a little too old to need a babysitter for the night. Yeah. I mean, like if you're able to meal prep and like follow directions, you probably don't need to be supervised like that. 
I don't remember if they actually said like how old she was, but I feel like she's, she's at least like 12 or 13. Like you can stay home on your own. This is maybe this is because I'm an only child. (laughs) And I'm like, very my parents and especially my dad was kind of like, yeah, you're fine. So I don't know if maybe that's my perspective on it. But like, I mean, if you are able to cook food for yourself, you can stay home by yourself. That's how it was in my house too. Like at a certain age, it's on you to like not burn the house down. (laughs) So Desiree tells Ash, uh, Ashley, that they need help with the accounting because they expanded so much. They're at the house now at the the sisterhood house. And the last lady's system was really rudimentary. And so she hands her this black spiral notebook, the same one we saw at the very beginning. And each line on each page is just like impeccably like written it's just it just is it looks so neat it looks like that girl in your class in school that just had an oddly unreasonably neat notebook um and you know ashley right away is shocked at the amount of money that's coming in and none of the money apparently is reported so all of this is under the table and desiree says that she knows they're in a gray area but they don't really have an option in order to keep themselves like if if they want to stay secret they have to be under the table and a little bit shady about it so then later ashley is walking down the street and a woman is following her and she identifies herself as trish Britton. she's a reporter um she's freelance and she says that she's researching a story about the sisterhood and if she wants to talk off the record she can and she gives her a card and says that if she changes her mind she can talk to her anytime So Ashley, being the good little cult member she is, (laughs) runs right back to Desiree and tells her that she has no idea how this woman found her or how she knows. And um, Desiree tells her that it's not just her. A couple other sisters have been approached. And it all comes from the fact that there's this disgruntled former treasurer. Um, We're going to play this clip and just listen to the way that Desiree really switches up the vibe here in this conversation three separate times. It's actually quite shocking 3255 to 3453 it's not your fault this reporter's approached a couple of other sisters how did you find out about us our former treasurer pamela i didn't want to get into it but we had to expel her a couple of weeks before you joined for what i found out she was skimming money she begged to stay but we couldn't risk it i guess she was hurt wanted to expose us. It's terrible. She had a troubled past. Mental issues. She even attempted suicide at one point. Mm. I thought I could save her. Anyway, we are so much better off having you overseeing our books. In fact, what would you say to becoming our permanent treasurer? Uh, wow. (laughs) Thanks. I'd be honored. No. Thank you. You have the ability to really contribute to the future of our group, if you're willing. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm glad to hear you say that. Because I have a problem. Okay. Anytime we spend a significant amount, we risk drawing attention to ourselves. Which is why I was hoping you might be able to come up with a way to clean our revenue. Meaning what exactly? You're the expert, but I own a number of businesses, like the bar we went to the other night, that you could funnel funds through. So, 
Just to be clear, you're asking me to launder money? No. I'm asking you to do whatever it takes to help your sisters. That is what you want to do, right? Yes. Then this is your opportunity. Ooh, so like she's switching it up. She's like, you yes. know, oh, she's troubled, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, you know, I hope it's not like that. You know, I'm I'm going to dedicate myself to you. Good, because I have a problem. <laughs> and then she's like, wait, you're asking me to launder money? And she's like, no, you're helping your sisters. Right. So it's like that mental gymnastics right away that she's asking her to do. But Ashley is like, you know, as much as she's sort of going along with it, she's not so far gone because she goes to Jasmine and says, you know, this is bad. And Jasmine's like, don't make a big deal out of it. And Ashley's <laughs> like, but I could lose my job for this. This is like a serious crime right. that I'm being asked to commit. And Jasmine doesn't feel that way. She thinks it's a very victimless time. Like rich, greedy men do this all the time for personal gain. And she asks her, you know, why she didn't say anything to Desiree if she had such a problem with this. And Ashley says, you know, I already feel indebted to her. Right. And Jasmine, which is, you know, great, um, not at all what they do in cults. And does and Jasmine's like, yeah, you are indebted to her. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, don't be a hypocrite. You had no problem with breaking the law when it came to your custody agreement. You owe it to your sisters. So Ashley did all the work that needed to be done, and she goes to Desiree to sign the file. And as long as they don't get greedy and try to push it, they can basically get away with laundering the money through her various businesses. Um, so Ashley goes to pick up Gracie at her ex's house and his new wife answers the door. His girlfriend answers the door and it's tense between all of them. Her ex comes to the door and wants to talk to her too. Then we see Gracie come out. She had a great weekend. She went to the museum and saw George O'Keefe exhibit again, sort of layering in that her dad has time to do all these enriching activities with her that her mom just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, or even just like anything, like it seems like, they never they never have a moment, Gracie and the mom. Um, so they, um, you know, there's a big hug before she leaves. Gracie's obviously just such a daddy's girl. She's so much more comfortable with him. Um, and when she's gone, he asks Ash if he can have Gracie the following weekend because his parents are coming to town. And she's like, well, it's not your weekend. Your parents can come another weekend if they want to see her. And he's like, listen, you fucking reamed me in the custody <laughs> agreement. Yeah, you, but you can throw me on my ass. <laughs> Yeah, throw, exactly. So she agrees. Um, Ashley's boss comes charging into her office with a file. And he says, this is for all your friends. And he tosses it down on the desk. She opens up the file to find an envelope full of cash. So she finds Jasmine and tells her that she knows now like where the money comes from. They're blackmailing people. And Jasmine says, not people, men who deserve it, like your boss, which I can get down with a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is kind of a gray area. And, you know, maybe I watched The Godfather or Goodfellas too many times growing up. I don't know. But this seems kind of like small potatoes in comparison to like other extortion situations. And just to hearken back on Ash's involvement and in everything, I mean, you don't just repeatedly tell people you'll do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And then they're finally like, oh, okay, well, I need you to money launder and then be like, oh, whoa, whoa. 
<laughs> so, right. Yeah, it was kind of like you set yourself up for this little sisterhood sister. Like you you knew where this was going or you should have known where this was going. But yeah, like Jasmine clearly has known this whole time what's going on and keeps trying to like give her hints like, yeah, Desiree has connections. Yeah, Desiree makes things happen. So like, what do you think is going to happen here? (laughs) Yeah, because she says like, do you really think your boss gave you that raise out of the goodness of his heart? And this is like, for some reason, it's just clicking with her now. Like, oh, (laughs) oh, like this isn't all coincidental. Um. I, I was a little, I had a hard time believing that. Yeah. Um, and Jasmine says that they have to go to a big meeting tonight um, because there's someone that, you know, Desiree, it's, she's a high priority. She really wants to get her in. Um, and Ashley says that she'll drop Jasmine off, but she's not going in. And Jasmine's like, yeah, you are. You're an executive. You have to go. So Selena is the name of the new girl. It's C-E-L. INA, not like my queen, queen. Selena. Yeah. So she um, is coming to the stage that night with the sisterhood. And when you hear the music intensify, that's when the blonde who's Desiree's number two goes to get Jasmine. So like when you're listening to this, just pay attention to the audio clues. So Myra comes and gets Jasmine and then Jasmine leads and slowly like she heads down to a basement where Ashley follows her. So while all of this is going on, there's also some discovery happening. 3908 to 4111. I'll drop you off, but I'm not going in. You're on the executive. You're going. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Selena? Um, <laughs> well, uh, I'm originally from Baltimore, but I moved here in high school. Uh, I have my degree in political science, and I work as a policy advisor for the governor. Are you married? Yes. I understand that you're having a little bit of a rough patch. Um, it's okay. This is a safe place. My husband David and I were trying to work things out. But there's this woman, Laura, who's obsessed with him and is basically stalking him. Every time we seem to make a little progress, she gets in the way. Have you spoken to the police? Yeah. They claim there's nothing they can do unless she breaks the law. And that must make you feel powerless. Yes. I love him so much. I, I, I really don't know what to do. I mean... It's okay. It's okay. You've come to the right place. The sisterhood can help you. Yes. I know it feels like you're all alone right now. But know that you're not. Not when you're surrounded by your sisters, by your family. Sisterhood is about encouragement, acceptance. We offer strength in numbers. We don't all have the same hair, so why should we all use the same shampoo and conditioner? 
Now you don't have to with Function of Beauty. If you're like me and have lots of fine curly hair, it's hard to find a product that won't weigh you down while still cleansing and moisturizing. It's been a lifelong struggle for me to find products that are the best of all worlds. Nice smelling, affordable, and good at what they're supposed to do. Function of Beauty is the internet's top-rated customer hair care brand that has over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. Function of Beauty individually formulates every bottle based on your hair type, style preferences, and hair goals. You go on their website and take a quick four-question quiz. It will help determine what products are made up of in order to support what you need. You can even pick your color preferences and scent. I went with a pear scent and an orange color so that'll match my bathroom. You can also go scent and dye free if you want to keep it natural. Dude, they even print your name on the bottle. Mine says Function of Molly. So to get started right now, go to functionofbeauty.com slash mayi to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Don't spend another minute in hair misery. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash mayi to let them know we sent you. functionofbeauty.com slash mayi. Okay, so another thing I want to just point out about Desiree, which we haven't touched on yet, is Desiree's, like, look, like, how she presents herself. She's very, like, she's very businessy. I would say this is, like, what she wears, she would be considered to be, like, the most stylish person in an office place. Um, But I've noticed, like, both of her pairs of earrings that we've seen are, circle, like, circles, like, gold, yellow gold circles. With like some sort of adornment. Yeah. Yeah. Like one is like a full blown tassel. And then the one she's wearing now and in the scene prior are like circles with a little stick coming out of the bottom of them. Sort of like the like the sign for female missing the X through it, like the cross through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if this is just again. It feels very Madewell. It feels like something that they would have on sale at Madewell. I don't Madewell vibe. Like it's actually kind of it's elevated from Madewell. We're we're back into like J Crew. So like it's kind of a full mannequin look almost. It's kind of what it feels like to me. Like you know, if you went in and you just saw an outfit on a mannequin that looked like a boss bitch, and you're like, yes, give me that. That's Desiree. Exactly. Yeah. She bought the whole outfit. Um, Which, by the way, RIP J. Crew, a store that I um, never really shopped at, although there was one turtleneck they made that I bought several versions (laughs) of. It was like a t-shirt weight turtleneck that I I really loved. Um, So Ashley goes down to the uh, basement to follow Jasmine, and she just sees her go into this, like, locked room with that has a door that honestly, like, seems to have the weight of like a walk-in freezer. Um, so Jasmine goes to, um, is at her gym. And when, um, when she comes home, Myra is there waiting for her in our apartment. And she asks her if everything's okay between her and Ashley, because does notice some tension there. And she says that it's just normal sibling stuff between them. And she goes, well, yeah, we need to make sure that Ashley is trustworthy now that she's in the inner circle. And it's Jasmine. It's your responsibility to make sure that that's the case. 
So Myra asks Jasmine what she thinks about the new pledge, Selena, and she says that she, you know, she thinks she seems like a nice girl. Um, she thinks that her connections to the governor will probably be helpful. I feel like you and I should just briefly discuss Selena ourselves. I mean, she seems like a mess. Yeah, Selena is not well. Like, she's very... I, I don't know what the exact word to describe her. Like, she's so quiet and timid. And then at the same time, like, when she was talking about her husband and, like, this woman is stalking him, like, did you get the vibe that, like, the woman was not the problem in that situation whatsoever? <laughs> I mean, I feel that Selena seems very fragile. Yes. Um, she seems like a very fragile person. She seems like someone who is easily shaken. I, I agree to an extent. I think that the problems in their marriage probably have very little to do with this woman, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I feel like that Lauren was clearly overstepping the line and like there was, she was not in the right by any means. But at the same time, like saying that somebody's stalking your husband, like, I feel like that was kind of, again, though, that from a cinematic point of view, like that's setting us up and I love it and I'm here for it. Right. So they find themselves, Ash and Jasmine find themselves parked in a car outside of Lauren, Selena's husband's lover's house. Um, And they're talking about how, you know, Ashley basically, you know, wants to know why Selena was such a high priority sister for Desiree um, and whose idea it was for her to join. Did Desiree suggest her? Did she, you know, did she get suggested to Desiree? And Ashley wants to know if it was a coincidence that she herself was approached right after they lost their treasurer. And her sister's like, yeah, of course it was a coincidence. And she's like, well, does Desiree know about my inheritance? And Jasmine's like, I don't think so. Um, and Ashley says that she knew about the pitch with the boss, um, the divorce, like, or so I think maybe I think what pitch with the, with the boss, I think she, I think I meant like the fight with the boss right. and then like the divorce as well. They spot Selena's husband's lover, Lauren, pull up to the house and Jasmine tells Ashley to come with her. So Ashley didn't know that like her getting out of the car was part of the deal. And frankly, she's not even really sure what they're about to do. Um, but they know that they're like, she knows that she's being sent there. So um, Lauren goes into her house and Jasmine and Ashley get out of the car and, and Jasmine bangs on her door. It's, it's like the cop knock. Yeah. Um, let's just play this one minute scene. 44, 26 to 45, 27. Um, it's kind of shocking. Laura Hewitt? Yes. You need to leave Selena Clay's husband alone. Who are you? Someone you don't want coming back? Get out or I'm going to call the police. Go ahead. You can tell them how you've been stalking a married man, harassing his family. I'm not stalking anyone. Really? Because that's not what we heard. Who told you that, Selena? Not that it's any of your business, but David's divorcing her to be with me. No, he's not. We should go. No, I don't know what you think is happening, but I'm telling you, leave him alone. Look, I don't know who you are, but... You said we were going to talk to her. Yeah, and I would have if she'd listened. Is this how you got me a raise? I didn't need to. He took our threat seriously. 
I mean, she basically just, I mean, she could have given her permanent brain damage. We don't really oh, yeah. ever follow up on this, which is what's <laughs> so shocking. Because, like, what she did, what Jasmine just did to her it was enough to kill a person. Oh, yeah. There there was a head slam to a brick wall. Um, yeah. And there were multiple kicks to the stomach and head, I believe. Uh, it was it was actually like a very graphic fight that I was not fully prepared for. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> based on the rest I of the tone prepared. of the show, I was not ready for that level of, of fight details. But uh, now we clearly kind of understand Jasmine is the muscle of the sisterhood. Yeah, she's a fucking mobster, dude. Like, she's literally like a mobster. So Ashley, you know, gets what she deserves and can't sleep that night. Um, the next day, she goes to her sister's gym to talk to her. And she's like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll wait in your office while you finish up with your client. So she goes into her sister's office and gets what she needs, which is the key that she was using in the basement the other night. And then she just, like, tells Jasmine she's going to come back a little bit later. So Ashley goes down to the the room in the basement. There's a computer set up there. She can't log in using any of the administrative passwords. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, what are you doing? Like, do you not understand that these people will fucking kill you at this That's point? The, like, the wh- I wouldn't even have the balls. <laughs> like, like, I was like, why are you going on a fucking computer right now? First of all, like, do you not think that they have cameras? Like that was that was my first thing. Yeah. It's like if this is clearly a technological hub for them, they have their computer files, like everything. You think that it's not being monitored somehow, ma'am? What has happened to you? So all of the files and everything in the room is locked, but she d- digs around enough in the desk drawers that she's able to find a small key that opens up the files. And inside she finds, you know, all, a folder on every single sister. Inside of her folder are pictures of Gracie. There's pictures of another man. It's, it turns out to be her boss. Um, and Ashley's just like horrified and she goes back to her sister's gym and she's like you slept with my boss Mm -hmm. and so apparently jasmine fucked her sister's boss as part of the blackmail (laughs) thing and she says that she did that in order to like suck her into joining so basically like you know ashley's like you did this so that you could like suck me into joining your cult so i would hide des's money and jasmine says that she wanted ashley to join because it's the only thing she was like only thing that she was missing in her life was her sister and she knew if she could get her sister to join the sisterhood then like everything in her life would be complete um and she can't quit because she's devoted her life to the sisters um and ashley's like what do you mean like you've devoted your life to them like i'm your biological sister and she's like the sisters are just as important to me as blood. So like Jasmine's gone and, and this is difficult for Ashley to understand where I'm sort of like, Ashley, like your sister's an addict. Like she is like clearly replacing exactly. one addiction with another. Exactly. Like one hardcore lifestyle with another. Exactly. Yeah. She just, she replaced whatever substance that she was addicted to with the addiction of feeling like she belonged. So like, it just was a smooth transition right into a cult. I'm also like, Ashley, like you can't trust her. Like you started out this whole thing 
being wary of her to the point that like she was uncomfortable in your home like she seemed visibly uncomfortable while like just even standing in your home and now you followed her i'm kind of like you get what you deserve bitch yeah. like you want to act like you have boundaries but then here we go <laughs> you had boundaries for about 90 seconds and then we just went right back into it so yeah it's which by the way I know there's so many people listening to this that have had firsthand experience dealing with like an, a family member who's an addict. And it's probably a little bit triggering for them because this is, this is very real. No, like when really you have someone who you're super close to who deals with stuff like this, like it's, um, you know, the push and pull is, is unlike any other real. Yeah. And it, it really. I think that actually kind of speaks to the movie itself that while yes, it's ridiculous, but it's also real. Like <laughs> the way that fa especially family members that you have that are addicts that you have that connection with to go from like, uh, I don't know to, okay, I'm following you now. Like it, it's the codependent nature of it that is actually real. Totally. Um, so when Ashley gets home, Desiree is sitting in her house and she tells her that she understands she's having some misgivings and she wants to know, you know, why she turned her sister into like a henchwoman, basically. Um, and she tells Des that she, you know, she sees that she brainwashes all of these other women to do her dirty work. She's being really straightforward with her. Like, honestly, I'm like, Ashley, shut up. Like, do not tell her everything. Like, don't tell her everything you know. Um, and Ashley tells her she's done with the sisterhood. And Desiree says that she'll be done when she says she is. Um, and, you know, if she betrayed her, she would lose everything. Her kids, her job, her accreditation. Like, her husband would find out that she lied to the arbitrator who will swear under oath saying that she paid her off to do it. And she tells her that she has some more money for her to hide and puts out what looks like about $100,000 on the table. Um, and she tells her that she expects money from her inheritance. And by the way, Selena joined. So she tries to end it with like this. Yeah. I'm like, good news, Selena. <laughs> good news. I was impressed with how quickly into the movie we got to the point where Ash wants to, Ashley's like ready to leave. Like I, I didn't know that this movie would be mostly about her figuring out very quickly that she was in a cult and trying to leave. Yeah. I mean, she was very aware I feel like even before she joined, though, like she was already kind of aware, but I think she was letting herself get swept away with it. Uh, but I, I mean, yeah, Ash is very aware at this point that things are not okay. She wants to leave. She can't leave. That's not the way any of these situations work. And especially... When Desiree is there with her fur bomber jacket on, I think that's a very important fashion choice to note that in a lot of these scenes where things are going down with Desiree, she puts on that fur bomber. And yeah, she loves that. Yeah, that's like her cookie lion look like shit is about to go down. You're not leaving. You're doing my work for me. Good news. I'm leaving. Power move exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
So Ashley gets pulled over and the cop is Myra. So we find out that, you know, there's a lot of sisters on the force and they've got eyes and ears everywhere. So now we've really started to set in the paranoia for Ashley. She knows that anywhere she goes, she could be in the presence of a sister. So Ashley goes to uh, Jasmine's house and she like heads up to an upstairs area. And when she gets to a, t- oh, sorry, she goes to um, not Jasmine's house. She goes to like the sisterhood house and she heads upstairs. And we see that when she gets to a top, the top of the stairs, there's like a camera downstairs and that there's actually cameras everywhere. And this is either the first time she's noticing the cameras or they're brand new. And we see her go through some of the old files and sees that the name that's signed as the old treasurer is Pamela Redman. So then she goes to find Pamela and she stops outside of her house um, and, and like basically like runs into her and she tells her, look, like I'm your replacement at the sisterhood. And Pamela looks paranoid as fuck. And she's basically like, don't worry. Ashley's like, don't worry. No one knows I'm here. And she goes, yeah, you need to keep it that way. And she goes right inside, despite the fact that Ashley is calling behind her and saying that she could really use her help, um, which I was like, you are too bold. Like, you are not getting it. Like, <laughs> you're right to be paranoid, but like, don't scream in you're, the street. Like, yeah, I need your help. You're yelling on the street corner of the woman who had the job before you and is probably being heavily surveilled and blackmailed also so let's not yell on the right and also like let's be real like this isn't a unique move you pulled like you went to literally the exact right person that everyone would think you were going to next so ashley gets home and her ex is in the kitchen washing the dishes and she's like what are you doing here and he's like well someone had to drive gracie home um she was a no-show at regionals and grace is really upset about this obviously and she's you know saying to her mom like don't apologize you don't have to act like you care about me and she gets up and she walks out and her ex is there with his new girlfriend and he's like why did you fight for custody if you're never going to be around yeah. And he's like, and by the way, who the fuck is Sonia? And, and and she's like, what do you mean? He's like, Grace says there's this woman named Sonia that's always coming around. And she makes her call her Auntie Sonia. And she calls Ash, her, she calls you his, like her sister. And um, he's like, oh, and by the way, I am not shocked that Jasmine is back in your life. Because wherever Jasmine goes, trouble tends to follow. So... He is like on up on her shit, but like I can't imagine how I would feel if like my ex, if my kid told me my ex was having this like strange woman <laughs> come around and he's like, call me Auntie Sonia. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel <laughs> like, like so fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. This is kind of where it started being like, okay, the dad is, he understands what's going on somewhat. He doesn't know the cult details of it, but he knows something is clearly afoot. And yeah, if your kid came home, it was like, yeah, there's some weird lady making me meal prep and call her Auntie Sonia. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's we're bad. Shut that down. Yeah. So, um, Ashley leaves her house, but someone is following her. Um, she's at work when she spots a package at her desk, and inside it is a cell phone, like a burner cell phone, and a key. And she answers it and she says, um, it says, I'll speak to you in the sisterhood, but only in person. So she figures out, oh, my God, it's Pamela. 
And she goes, Pamela, like, you know, where do you want to meet? And she goes, don't, and, and Pamela on the phone goes, don't say my name because Desiree may have your office bugged. Um, she tells her not to tell anyone at work she's leaving and to make sure she's not being followed. So she leaves work and this blonde woman in the office has her eye on her as she's getting into the elevator. And this could be completely innocuous. This could just be a woman who is, you know, watching someone move about the floor. Right. But um, you know, she is now paranoid anytime she sees a woman. Um, another woman gets into the elevator and like she just has her back turned to her. Again, something that happens every day in office buildings all over America. Not right now, but back when we had a normal life. Um, <laughs> back when we left our homes. Yeah, and she's just like, fuck. So she drives all the way to this motel and goes into an empty room. Um, it's like, you know, a kind of a dingy hotel. It's one of those hotels that honestly, like now, is kind of stylish in a retro way, but in any free. other period in time. Yeah, it's kind of a shit exactly. vibe. Yeah. Um, so she's there for so long that she winds up like laying down on the bed and like taking a little mini nap, which is a choice. Um, and then she gets a call that says like, come meet me in the bar. So she goes into the bar area of the motel. And then once again, her phone rings and she answers it. Um, that's where we'll go to, uh, this part where it picks up. From one hour and twelve seconds to one oh two oh five. Hello? Change of plans. Meet me up back behind the motel. Five minutes. What do you want to know? Desiree says that you were excommunicated because you were stealing money, but I couldn't find any evidence. I stole something, but not money. The ledger I used. Why? I was on my way to give it to a reporter along with some other evidence, but they've been watching me. A couple of sisters beat me unconscious. Desiree said next time she'll kill me. Do you believe her? Yes. Then why are you talking to me? I was there from the beginning. I helped build it. It was born out of good intention, at least on my part, but Desiree's obsessed with money and power and with me. She's bugged my apartment, put a, a tracker on my car. Every time a woman even glances in my direction, I, I wonder if it's a sister watching me. I, I can't keep living like this. It's... Me neither. I smuggled a hidden camera into the club. I have Desiree on video admitting to extortion. If I give it to you, nobody can ever know where you got it from. I won't tell anyone, I promise. Can you email it to me? No. No emails. Or any more speaking on the phone. Meet me back here tonight at 9. After that, never contact me again. Okay, so I kind of love Pamela because she reminds me of like when an actress from SNL takes on a serious role. <laughs> That's not wrong. 
That is that is not wrong. You know what I mean? Like she has kind of like a Rachel Dratch yes. feel to her yes. or something. Exactly. Like it it's that right mix of like she's she can play pathetic really well. Um, you believe that this is a woman who's been severely beaten down in her life, um, which I mean, I'm sure she has been given that she's at the hands of a cult. Right. Um, but yeah, so she um, basically, you know, it, it, she's setting her up to like, you know, to to get out of this sort of thing or at least to bring the cult down. Right. Um, so as she goes home um, and she gets into the car with Gracie and she's really paranoid um, and looks around as she gets in, she drops off Gracie with her ex and he's like, well, why are you, you know, why are you dropping off? our kid right now like what's you know what do you got to do that's more important than our daughter and she's like you told me to call you if i ever want someone else to watch her and that's what i'm doing and he's like you're right you're right so she goes back to the motel and waits um it just you know her car is parked in the woods and it's 9 44 p.m at this point she starts her car up and drives off slowly she gets to pamela's place and knocks on the door and then she lets herself in Pamela isn't answering when she calls, but the little dog is there and there are bloody paw prints all over the ground. This was incredibly triggering to me. Um, just knowing that like someday someone could find me with, like that with, with like, wags. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she sneaks upstairs, very bold of her. Um, to sneak upstairs in the house of a woman she doesn't even know. Um, there's a sound of water dripping in the bathroom. And when she looks in there, Pamela's in the bath with her wrist slit. It's very graphic, like trigger warning to anyone who that might trigger. If you were to watch this movie, I would su- like sincerely suggest you don't watch if that's something yeah, that, that could was, upset it you. Was very, very graphic. Very graphic. And then they punch on, on, on Pamela's face. Um, just like, Pamela's face in the bathroom or in the bathtub like her eyes are open and she just sort of like looks like Pamela but like obviously dead right but her eyes are open which I don't really know what that's supposed to imply but Ashley talks to the cops at the scene because she's decided to do the right thing and call the cops upon finding a dead body Mm. um when the when the detective asks how she knew her she pauses because she sees that there's another female cop who's listening to them but she's turned away and she knows that that's probably another sister so she says that she was her accountant and she was helping her with her taxes so she didn't really know her but she was stopping by we see that Ash later is in her home and she's creating a makeshift bug for her to wear in her in the top of her dress, like in the blouse area of her dress. And Jasmine comes in and starts calling around for her. And Ashley says she needs a few more minutes before, you know, before she's done. Um, and then her sister like just starts charging through the house looking for her, not paying attention to the fact she just needed another minute. To fix and, her wire. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She almost catches her bugging herself. Yeah. And I will say, like, I'm shocked that she got away with wearing this thing under that white dress, especially because, like, part of the dress has, like, little holes in it. I don't know how to describe it, but the way it's, like, the way that the um, the dress, there's, like, little lines on it. Yeah. How do you describe that? Yeah. There's kind of like, it's almost, oh my God, I can't think of the the right term for it, but you know, like the doilies that people have, 
where it's kind of like those little like keyhole little eyelet dresses. Is that what they're called? Yeah, that. it's it's a little bit of an eyelet. It's a little bit of an eyelet, but it's it's not it's necessarily not that either because it's in like yeah. a straight line. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, point being is that it, this is probably not the ideal dress to wear like a large black long plastic bug underneath that like i feel like that's gonna be inconspicuous at all someone catches a glimpse of like through the holes on the side of her chest and like they're seeing that whole bug um so ash is now wearing a red scarf which means i guess she's been promoted and um she wanders around and it seems like you know she doesn't really have anyone to talk to like she's not being welcomed into any conversations and she's also not trying to be welcomed into any conversations it honestly made me think a lot about like what i would be like if i was in a sorority like (laughs) you know what that's not wrong like just the personality type where you're just kind of like walking around you're like okay nobody look at me i'm not looking at you i am just walking around yeah, like next semester, I'm probably going to have to think about how I'm going to get out of this. Like, I don't really want to <laughs> be. I don't have to reevaluate my life choices. Yeah, this isn't really how I want to spend my time. And I don't want to burn myself socially. But also, I just really don't see a future. Once I can get out of here, maybe there's an opportunity for me to have some fun in college. Yeah. So, um, Myra um, actually goes to the bathroom because she wants to like readjust her bug and Myra comes banging on the bathroom door and Ashley's like just a moment and Myra like um, when as soon as Ashley opens the door Myra's like well why did you lock the bathroom door and I'm like well what do you what the fuck do you mean why did she lock the bathroom door <laughs> yeah, well, like are you not allowed to that's have a privacy in the bathroom to do. yeah and whenever Ash is like, like out of habit like it's like that's right what you do i'm like are these sisters like walking in on each other changing their tampons all the time (laughs) like i'm very confused by this question and also the difficulty that ash had finding like she really seemed to be scrambling for an excuse to not want people to walk in on her in the bathroom so ashley sneaks into a shut room and waits for myra to leave the bathroom and when that happens um she approaches myra who's talking or she approaches desiree who's talking to selena and she's like i need to talk to you and she's like well is it so important that you can't wait for a minute and she's like no it's very important we really need to talk so um the two of them go to the bathroom together the the one that she was just in and they have a conversation um let's play 10840 to 109.58 what's the problem it's too much what is the amount of money you're forcing me to launder if we don't slow down the irs is going to catch on Are you wearing a wire? No. I'm not. So you can't move any more cash? Not without taking a huge risk. You've given me way too much. 
Guess I'll have to invest in more businesses then. You claim the sisterhood is about helping women, but the real benefactor is your bank account. It's good to be queen. Wow. Um, so I had to talk about how fucking bomb Desiree's outfit is yes. in this scene. So she wears her scarf over her shoulders, um, which is different. But also she's wearing this like absolutely fabulous top that has a like capelet attached to the back of it. It's like a white power suit with a standard top, but then like a capelet attached to the back. And it's so sick. Yeah. No, honestly, Desiree's fashion and her wardrobe in this show is the best. So everybody else kind of has like, I don't know, I guess the best way to describe everybody else's look is kind of like an NBC drama lady cop. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like where it's just kind of like standard. There's a lot of button downs. There's a lot of just like kind of cardigan-ish type situations. But Desiree, her wardrobe is on point every single time. It's very, um, it's very, you're right. It's like very Amanda Rollins and, um, like, you know, a Sergeant Olivia Benson in their free time type of clothing. Um, it, it, I wonder if that's because all of the women are supposed to be professionals or if there's like a, um, if there's a, I don't know if they just got like a, there was a sale on. If you buy like a casual corner selection in bulk, like it's, I'm not sure if it was an intentional thing or, or what, but it's definitely very pronounced in the rest of the cast. I don't think that like you would be able to show up to the sisterhood though in like your hoodie and jeans. No, either. Yeah. Like I think that you probably have to come presentable. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it's um Desiree's like the I don't know, that white capelet thing, I'm obsessed with it. And you have to have like great shoulders to pull that off too. Yes. Um so um, Ashley takes the audio that she got and she listens back to it at home. Um, and basically like everything she needs is there. Um, she, she got the bag. So she decides to save this onto a flash drive and she goes to a diner. And I just have to say that like even the idea of thinking that this is anything but a setup makes Ash a fucking idiot. I know. I know. It's just everything about pretty much from the second that she tried to like get into the computer and look through the files and everything. It's just been a snowball of sad, insane moments for Ash. Like it's, it's just not her best moment at all. I mean, it's just like how embarrassing <laughs> to like think that you, you're going to be able to figure this out by yourself. You like, the case. they have taken, 
Yeah, they've taken down stronger women than you with like just a, the bat of an eye. And you think that you're going to be able to bust this whole thing up. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting in this diner and a woman from one of the back booths stands up and approaches her. Um, there's mirrors all over this diner that look like a two-way mirror. I also want to throw out that like we've now established that Desiree buys up businesses, like struggling businesses just for fun, just for a way to funnel her cash. So the bar is included in that. And if I was Ashley, I'd be like, I don't know. This diner seems like it's probably in the same (laughs) wheelhouse as all those other places. And we do know that she's buying up new properties in order to launder this money. Like maybe take it to an olive garden. Like let's not, (laughs) we're not doing this. In like, don't go to the places where you are for sure going to get spotted. Like, take this to a Red Robin. Take this to a chain restaurant. Like, this is not... Right. Yeah, you don't want to fly under the radar anymore. You do not want to be supporting local businesses when you're trying to leave a cult. (laughs) Like, I'll just put it that way. But... I I forgot to even talk about this with you. Like the way that Desiree felt her down for the bug in the bathroom was, I mean, I was like, is something romantic about it to happen? Like, is sexual. something sexual? It was very sexual. Was, <laughs> and also just like a bad job. Like it was almost like a little bit when people try to say like TSA is feeling <laughs> them up for like their own pleasure. Yeah. Where it's like, that's, that's the impression of someone that's like a TSA agent feeling someone up for pleasure. That is not someone who like, where would the bug have been on like her inner thighs or whatever? Like if you're going to check someone for a bug, probably chest her, check her upper chest area. Like, right. I, I mean, like, look, you know, you could have, have it taped to your thigh if, if you really were going all out. But I mean, it was a very sensual moment that I was kind of like, wait, what's happening? What's going on? (laughs) Maybe she was like, this girl isn't stupid enough to put it near like the eyelet sort of like material (laughs) on her dress. Um, And that's how she got away with it. So um, the reporter comes over to her book, a booth, Trish, the freelance reporter, um, 110.40 to 112.23. Your message says you have something for me. I was looking up a lot of your other writing online, and I didn't see any other investigative journalism. It's my first time doing a story like this. Why now? A scoop like this could make my career. And how did you find out about us? A woman named Pamela Redman reached out to me. We used to live in the same neighborhood. Pamela left before I joined, though. How did you figure out that I was a member? She told me about your sister, Jasmine, and how she did a lot of Desiree's dirty work for her. Jasmine led me to you. Did Pamela give you any evidence? No. We were supposed to meet, and she never showed up. Stopped taking my calls after that, and figured she had cold feet. Pamela's dead. How? Suicide? In theory? (sighs) Pamela was afraid for her life. Well, I have a friend in the coroner's office. I'll see if I can get a copy of the autopsy report. Okay? I know you're nervous. You can trust me. Yeah. There's a video on here 
that shows Desiree admitting to money laundering. But I'm implicated as well, so I'm gonna need a heads up before the story breaks so that I can contact a lawyer. Absolutely. Huge mistake. I mean, just from start to finish, the worst decision. <laughs> like, first of all, get a lawyer to get a lawyer. Yeah, you, like before, you need a lawyer on standby from the second that you tried to quit <laughs> this cult, and then decided you right. were going to spend your life blackmailing them when their entire system is built on extortion and blackmail. Like, ma'am, you have made. A series of horrible mistakes. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that's like so fucked up about this is that it's really only taught her to like fear all women. Like all women <laughs> are suspects at this really, point. It, it is like she just sees she just sees a bitch at work getting in the elevator and is like, "Oh, that's one of them. That's like that's enemy. one of them that's yeah. trying to kill me." Yeah. So. I mean, listen, I don't want to, you know, I feel like this is a big enough deal that she could call Ronan Farrow. Like, I don't think there's a reason why she needs to be giving this reporter, like, (laughs) the scoop of a lifetime. Like, she's a emerging journalist who seems to be in, like, her mid to late, her mid 40s or something like that. Like, she's older, right? right? Like, and I say, listen, you know, it's never too late to make it. You know, a lot of people don't have the peaks of their career till they're in their 40s or 50s. That is not an uncommon story, especially in the world of writing and journalism, right? And maybe that's the way it should be because they're the people with the most life experience. And I want to say, uh, you know, good for Ashley for for trying to give this woman a big break. But I feel like this is some pretty major stuff. This is like some deep throat level stuff where you have to really find journalists who are going to take this secret to the grave. This is not someone that handed you their card and introducing <laughs> themselves as a freelance journalist. This isn't who you take this to. You take this to, you know, the Washington Post. Yeah. You take this to the New York Times. But even then, you have to be keenly aware of the fact that there may be a sister somewhere within that organization because apparently the sisters are everywhere. Well, And that's the thing. Like, first of all, or there's so many first of alls, but we'll start with the fact again, that this woman approached you on the street. You already told Desiree about it. So even operating under the suspicion that this woman is not somehow tied to the sisterhood, you have now brought this up. It is on the radar. Now you are meeting with the same woman again who has now said that the woman that you found dead in a bathtub from allegedly suicide, which let's be real, was not suicide. Then this woman has now said, oh, yes, she feared for her life. Yeah, go ahead and slide that flash drive on over and say, let me know when I need to get a lawyer. It's just it's a I I can't I I cannot. (laughs) I mean, I'm naive and a little bit trusting, but it's like a little bit too trusting. But as soon as she walked up to her and said, hi, I have like, I'm a freelance reporter from the sisterhood. Like my first thought would be like, oh, this is probably someone from the sisterhood. This, this is, is probably test. someone yeah. who's on, she's on the inside. Exactly. Exactly. It's a test. Yep. And you know, apparently she's approached a couple other sisters. So other sisters are familiar with her face as well. I, um, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling that 
Ashley really gets it. Um, so the next day she's leaving her house and Ashley is waiting for her or Myra's waiting for her like on her like Dodge Charger she has. She has like a kind of a sporty yeah. car. She tells her that Desiree needs to see her right now. Um, she's like, I can't. I need to get Grace from school. And Myra's like, oh, we took care of that for her. And the music's like, dun, dun, dun. So you find <laughs> out like, okay, they've they've captured her daughter. So Myra drives her out, you know, until it's like dark at night. So it's been probably a few hours since they've been in the car. And, um, she drives her up to like this warehouse where, um, there's a man sitting in a chair with a bag over his head. And like the identity of this man is unknown. At first I'm like, do you think that's her ex-husband? Yeah, that's kind like, of what I was maybe thinking that at first. There? Cause I mean, they have her kid, right? Right. So that's why I was thinking like, I wonder if this is the ex-husband. I, I couldn't figure out who it was going to be. Like, it didn't seem like it was going to be the boss. Like we're past him. So yeah, my suspicion at this point was ex-husband. So Jasmine and Desiree come out of the shadows and like into the light in this room and Ashley gets out of the car and basically charges toward them and she's like, where's Grace? Um, So it, it like, you know, right away, as soon as I see Jasmine, I'm like, oh, fuck, like, fuck, <laughs> the like, muscles her here. sister. Yep. <laughs> the muscles here, something's going down. How deep is her sister in the process of like completely betraying her? So let's play 113.41 to 116.15. Where's Grace? She's safe. How could you let them take her? And who is this? Someone who hurt one of your sisters. What does that have to do with me? You're going to make him pay for what he did. No, uh, I will do whatever you want with the money. But this is crazy. No. This is about you proving you're willing to follow my orders. Because we're only as strong as our weakest link. Right? Right. Take it. Hit him. I can't do that. Do it. No. She's not one of us, Jasmine. And she never will be. Go. This was a test. Yes. Just like the reporter I sent to speak with you. Your sister's trying to destroy everything we worked so hard to build. She can't be trusted. Please, just let me out. Freedom comes at a price. What do you want? Your inheritance. No. I wasn't asking. And the only reason you're getting off so easy is because of Jasmine. Betray me again, and you'll end up like your friend Pamela.
You brought her in. Jasmine. <laughs> Not the face. <laughs> Not the face is something I say to Wags when I let him, you know, just spaz out on me a little bit. Isn't like, <laughs> you know, face. you can bite me a little bit, but not the face. I mean, okay, so there's a lot of things going on here that sort of speak to Ashley's intelligence. Like, for example, when the bag is taken off the guy's head, she doesn't seem to realize that that's the guy that had previously robbed her. Right. No dots were connected there at all. Secondly, and I wouldn't even necessarily say this speaks to her intelligence, but I wouldn't call Pamela her friend. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not jump to conclusions there. Yeah, I, I, if I was Ashley, I wouldn't be like, well, Pamela wasn't my friend. We were just trying to bring down your cult together. Like, let's not get fucking crazy. We just had a common bond over that. (laughs) I just like the thing that really blew my mind was that her sister was willing to beat the shit out of her like that. And when I talk about like beat the shit out of her, I mean, she's punching her repeatedly in a way that could like literally leave her barren. Oh yeah. I I mean like there's internal bleeding that's probably being caused by this, but I also think that Jasmine Not that she was waiting for this, but I think she has a lot of pent up feelings about this inheritance, which again, it keeps getting brought up. And I am very curious what the dollar amount is that is driving everybody so crazy that it's like, okay, we're going to commit crimes. We're going to blackmail. I need your inheritance. Like, give me a dollar amount. Like, give me a ballpark figure. I don't know what we're working with. I need to know. I need to know. Because if it's like two million, like, that's a lot of money. But like, it seems like it must be more on like five or six. That's what I'm I'm picturing. Like, we're, we're talking like five plus. But if this is, I, I swear to you, if this is like, oh, you, it was $600,000 or something, like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Right. And also just like the repeated sort of surprise that this has to do with the inheritance, like just the nonstop sort of shock and surprise every time it comes back to the inheritance. Like, spare me, little girl. Like, you know, if you don't know that this is about the goddamn money by now, I do not know what to do for you. Like, I cannot spell things out for you sweetheart like what like what do you think this is about this is about the fucking money the best thing you could have done was just cut a check the day that it all started to become clear and just call it a day cut that check and move on ashley has really chosen the hard way for herself so ashley is now rendered sterile it appears Mm -hmm. um and she um Asks, so she goes home and, um, and Sonia is, I guess, been there watching Grace. Excuse you. It is Auntie Auntie Sonia. Sorry. (laughs) Auntie Sonia has been watching Grace. So Ashley kicks her out and she tells Grace to never let her, like, take her anywhere again. Um, and Grace is just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, she's 
Because like not she's in the dark about all of this. She doesn't know her mom's in a cult. She doesn't know who the fuck Auntie Sonia is. Mm-hmm. She didn't know she did anything wrong by getting in a car with her. Like she's, no, she's just, just her mind is blown by it. Yeah, she's along for the ride and she doesn't know what's happening. She knows Sonia's a weirdo, but she doesn't know why. There's there's all do there's differing degrees of weird. So like Sonia could be harmless weird. Or she doesn't know why all of a sudden her mom's coming home like screaming for Auntie Sonia to get the hell out. And now we're not going to meal prep anymore. And your guess was, and your guess was that like Grace was probably around like 12 or 13. I think she's like 14 or 15. Like, I think she's a little bit older based on the actress. Really? (laughs) I don't, I assume everybody is like 12. I'm like, oh, you're under 25. You're 12. So I don't. Well, she might have been meant to be 12, but the actress looks closer to like, she looks like mature. You know what I mean? She looks like. No, yeah, no, I I get what you're saying. She looks like she could be playing, you know, like a high school student amongst amongst like 25 year olds in a couple of years, like the way that those shows are cast. So if she asks, um, she asks if Sonia like touched the lamp in the living room, cause she realized her computer is missing yeah. and this like really alarms her. Then she's like, did Sonia touch the lamp? So she starts pulling apart, like all of the stuff in the kitchen and Grace is like, what is going on? Like, what is, what's happening? Um, and then, you know, she goes upstairs and she pulls apart her bedroom. And then we just see that Ashley spends her night, like sitting in basically the dark except for one of her floor lamps which is turned on but on the ground probably flipped over because she's afraid there's a camera in it so the next day ashley takes grace to aunt jasmine's gym but she tells her she has to stay in the car when she goes inside so she walks into jasmine's office and throws an envelope down on her desk and she says it's a bank draft of the inheritance which i believe is like some sort of way of saying like this is the this is i'm handing it over to you um and jasmine tells her that if it was that it wasn't her idea but ashley says that you know she was just basically jazz at jasmine's next victim in this extortion scheme she thinks that jasmine is up to her normal selfish tricks and she tells her you know jokes on you jasmine because you were always supposed to get half i was just hanging on to it until you had your shit together Um, And she tells her, you know, to never speak to her or Grace again. And she leaves. And then as Ashley is getting to the door of the gym, um, she sees that Desiree is talking to Grace out on the street, um, which is, you know, fucking bone chilling because we know Desiree is, um, you know, a fucking murderer. Like she doesn't give a shit about anyone and she's going to kill her, which, uh, you know, not even being a mom, you could feel that fear that like do fear. And also the fact that like she had made the mistake of sort of socializing her daughter with Desiree. So her daughter doesn't know to be afraid for her. She thinks that this is the nice lady that paid for her uniforms after buniforms. buying all their candy. Exactly. Like, yeah, we, totally. we didn't know to be afraid of her. I feel like, at this point, Ashley should have figured out a way to sort of tell Grace a little bit about hey, this mom, without necessarily going up. full in. <laughs> mommy fucked up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I made a mistake and all of those people that I told you were good people last month, like no longer, like we don't talk to them anymore. The lady who bought your cheering uniform, Auntie Sonia, we don't talk to them anymore. Right. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of the clip, 119.23 to 120.10. Ashley, Grace is just telling me about her team winning regionals. You must be so proud. Desiree's going to come watch me at the state championships. 
Chris, get in the car. Hey, what's the matter? Let's get in the car right now, okay? Gave Jasmine the money, now stay away from Grace. You should have realized by now that I give orders, I don't take them. I held up my end of the bargain. I know, but I don't trust you. So I want it to be crystal clear that we are going to be watching you and your daughter. It'd be a shame if something happened to her. Jasmine would never let anything happen to Grace. Your sister's valuable, but she's not irreplaceable. If I have to get rid of her too, I will. Okay, so Desiree puts her hand up to the window and like waves goodbye to Grace as like Ash is just sort of like taking in that she has familiarized her daughter with a fucking murderer. Um, I should note that Desiree is wearing yet another pair of circular yet dangly yet sort of tasselly gold earrings. Um, I I wish I knew what they signified except for the set you know, wardrobe person had some sort of gift card to a, like a chain jewelry. Per- like, I mean, I have really no idea why she has these in every scene. It's it's mind boggling. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I'm not with you. sure if it's an actual conscious choice or what. I mean, it, I feel like it has to be intentional because it's just so repeated. But I don't know why. Right. It's one of those things where in a different in a in a different type of movie in a movie that was like well done those earrings would have quite a bit of significance and it would be obvious toward the end what it is they mean like is that a symbol that means something to them is it is like the circle a symbol for them outside of you know sort of the i guess overall metaphor of a of a cult yeah, being like a, a circle, circle of people like what, yeah, the fuck? Like what are we working with So Ashley and Grace go to Grace's dad's house with a suitcase. And, you know, he basically is like, how long is she supposed to stay? And I want to know, like, what's going on? And she tells him that she actually might need him for something. Um, You know, there's something that could be used against her and she's in trouble and she needs a cop, one that she can trust. So that means that she is going to go to her ex's girlfriend, who's apparently a cop, and use her to try and take down the sisterhood. So they all pull up to the house. um, And when they get down to the basement, of course, everything is wiped clean. Everything is gone. And that could be for a variety of reasons. But I'm assuming that someone on the police force like got wind of the fact that they were about to execute this operation because there are a lot of cops there. This was not something that they handled particularly well. I'm assuming if they had a warrant, like a judge could have seen that the way that they all walk in there. It's very curious. And, um, you know, I would say that this wasn't handled in the right way, given the circumstances. Right. Um, yeah. Like clearly there was, there was a clear paper trail of what was about to happen that any number of sisters or of their connections could have tipped them off. Like, yeah, right. it, it was it was a mess. Can you imagine like how that must have gone down at the police station? Like how <laughs> like <laughs> how that was organized? Because like there's nothing cool about the way they handle this. I mean, they pull up with sirens blaring, and Ashley for some reason reason is riding in the front seat of the cop car next to yeah. the um the husband's like new girlfriend. New, new which girlfriend. I'm like, oh my god, there's. Yeah, there's one thing like if you're doing like a ride along, which by the way, did you know that you're allowed to ask the police to do a ride along? 
I didn't know that like a regular person could. I thought that was like if you're doing research for a role or something like then you can say like, oh, I'm going to do a ride along. So like just a normal human being can do a ride along. That's terrifying. Well, I don't know. Like I so the only person who told me this was Jerry O'Connell, which obviously is like there's a curve there because he's a famous person. Right. So <laughs> people are like probably more likely to agree to it. <laughs> Right. But he said to me, like, no, like, that's a thing you can do. Like, you can ask your local police station basically to take you for a ride along. And Christina, who is like an average citizen and also a journalist. So she's like pretty clear on stuff. She was like, oh, no, that's definitely a thing. Like, you're allowed to ask the police if you can go on a ride along, Um, which is, you know, crazy, especially, you know, given how it's it really truly is a a good cop bad cop situation in our world like thinking about the cop that you wind up on a ride along with right i don't think i want to sign Um, up for that (laughs) i think i'm gonna take a hard pass on the ride along that's no thank you hard pass on the ride along so she and her ex are talking in a room and basically she tells them like they're coming for me they're gonna do everything they can to ruin me And he says, like, I'm going to drop Grace off at school in the morning and then we can all meet at the station. And I don't know what it is they expect they're going to do at the station that's going to, like, make this work out well. But she says that while she's there, she's going to grant him custody because she might end up in prison after all this. And also the arbiter was in the sisterhood. Um, You know, Desiree set the whole thing up and he takes this news you know, in stride. And he says that they'll deal with that later. But right now they need to focus on her going public with everything she knows. So she gets home and goes into the back door. And right away, she is snatched up by someone in the kitchen. Um, They basically like jump out and like take her by the neck, probably with some sort of like rope or tie. Um, She's tackled to the ground. And next thing we see her in the same chair in the same warehouse, the way that we did when she got there with Myra and she was supposed to beat the dude with a bat. Let's play 125.10 to 129. This is like the real meat of the situation. And then we're going to wrap this up with a real typical lifetime ending. 125.10 to 129. Desiree, please, just give me another chance. I already gave you a chance. I shouldn't have, but I did. What is going on? Ashley brought the police to our club. She betrayed us. Over and over. She needs to be stopped. To protect our family, sometimes an individual needs to be sacrificed for the sake of the whole. Please, Desiree. It's the only way. Jasmine, this isn't you. I need to know that you're with us. You're special to me. Jasmine, snap out of it. Jasmine, look at me. I love you. You have lots of sisters who love you. You need to show me that you're with us. Jasmine, 
You brought her in. She's your responsibility. Jasmine, think about Grace. She will destroy our family. We're your family. Go on, Jasmine. Do it. Grace and I love you so much. So sorry. I can't. That's unfortunate. You have my word? She ever tries anything again, I will suffer the consequences. You don't get it. She won't quit while you're still with us. Then I quit. Are you sure? Yes. survive this. I wouldn't be so sure. I've been recording the whole thing. You okay? You're good? Yeah. Thank you, Joy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. All right. So I'm a little shocked that Jasmine wasn't going to kill her sister. Yeah, I, I kind of expected that. But then I was thinking, okay, is she going to hit Ashley with a bat? Is she going to hit Desiree with the bat? I mean, you're already the muscle. Like, are you going to go out in a blaze of glory? I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I figured Jasmine was going to stay with the sisters. Yeah, I did too. I mean, also like the way that they were going to like take out Jasmine as revenge was by just putting a plastic bag over her head. And I'm like, um, do you think Ronda Rousey over here is really going to go down because Myra's putting a plastic bag over her head? Like, I feel like she and Desiree could probably tag team her pretty well, but I don't think it would be like strangulation by plastic yeah. bag. Um, but I will. Okay. So I, I have to wonder like how far this went. Like, was Ashley bugged already when she went home that night? And part of the setup was to like send her home with a bug on so they would kidnap her. Um, because like when else would she have had the bug put on her? And why were the cops waiting outside of the warehouse? Like, I mean, it seems like that was all part of the setup, but well, yeah. When did that start? Did that start when they first broke into the club? 
did that start before that? Was this always sort of the long term plan? Yeah, was to like cause a scene that would have been flame? Yeah, I feel like it was a long con from I I, I genuinely don't think I, I feel like Ashley thought they were gonna get something out of the sisterhood house. But I think from that moment on, then like a plan would hatch to somehow like lure them back into taking Ashley again. So like, I think that was kind of like always the goal, but yeah, I I didn't really, I I wasn't able to see exactly like when, and I mean, she played it so straight, like when her husband's or her ex-husband was talking to her and everything. And then she's going home like, honey, you knew you were about to lure the sisterhood out and then lure the cops out after them. So like, good for you. I mean, maybe that's what he was talking about when he said tomorrow we'll go to the station. But I, I mean, maybe, maybe. I will say, though, that I think it's very naive to assume that this will destroy the sisterhood because there's so many people who are so in this that like they will seek revenge. Like, I mean, look at like the um, what's his name? William Jeffries or whatever. That guy that's like the leader of the FLDS cult where like they were up until I think he died in jail. Like they were still taking notes from him. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was like FaceTiming them well, and, the and thing, like leading leading masses. The thing is, is like with the sisterhood and Ashley and Jasmine's beef with them, like that actually has nothing to do with anybody else. Like that's not some systematic thing where like Desiree was talking horribly about everybody and had plans to like betray everybody. Like everybody else was doing just fine in that little system. So I don't think that the sisterhood right. is going anywhere. I mean, unless they arrest everyone who's like like a recorded member of the sisterhood, unless they manage to do that, which I'm sure they did do something like that, especially with the most I'm sure Selena didn't go to jail, but I feel like a lot of the most dangerous sisters like Myra probably wound up on trial or whatever. Auntie Sonia is Um, not prepared for jail. She is not ready. What? No, Auntie Sonia is not. Auntie Sonia is so not ready for jail. I would love to see a character like her on 60 Days In, like (laughs) just trying to figure out a way to navigate the system. Like she's someone's bitch day one that she moves in. Like she make it like 12 hours. Yeah, you step right in and it's, oh, we understand what your deal is. You're with us now. Yeah, because you don't want to be like, you don't want to live too much of a life in service when you're in jail because everyone's going to turn you into their bitch. Like the second you're nice, like if she meal prepped for anyone in jail, like, oh my God, it's fucking over. She offered to buy people something out of the vending machine. Like, I mean, she was already offering like her commissary money up like day one. So she's making a spread in commissary. (laughs) Have you ever like, have you watched the videos of people making jail spreads? No. So it's like when it's and by the way, this is my very like just watching the Internet sort of like a clearly a girl who's never been to jail, (laughs) never been to prison. Uh, Apparently, I knew someone once, but I believed he was in a farm uh, in Mexico working until I was was working in Mexico at a farm. Excuse you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was very I I thought that as well up until like my late 20s. So, um, yeah, I this is my interpretation of it. But apparently, like, you know, when it's commissary day, when it's delivery day, everyone gets their 
orders and a lot of people put their stuff in together. And basically a jail spread is when they take all the different ramen noodles and all the different like elements that you can get, like the canned sausages are a big part of it. The the cheese whiz is a part of it. All of the different like little bits and bobs and like chips. Chips are a big part of it. And it's like when they put all of it together and basically create like one gigantic savory meal, that's all of the stuff mixed together. And like there's, you know, tried and true recipes that people follow oh, that gotcha. like, you know, are pretty universal across jails. And one thing is like, I've watched a lot of videos of people who were in prison and are now out of prison. And one thing that a lot of them still sort of partake in is making spreads. And you also see a lot of people on TikTok, specifically kids who clearly had parents who have done time because like their way of like making ramen is like very extra the way that they do in jail where they're not just going to have, you know, ramen. Like when you make ramen, you put like garlic powder in it and you make, you know, and you put cheese in it and you put all this different stuff in it to make it more of a meal than it is. And so a lot of times on TikTok, there'll be kids like basically making their bootleg version at home version of a jail spread, probably because their parents were in jail. So like, that's how they know how to beef up ramen is like, basically using all the tricks of the trade that happen in prisons all the time. Nice. I, I've seen that on TikTok, like where people were doing that with ramen. And I mean, I actually know some people that do that with ramen noodles, which I'm think they got it from TikTok. But like that, that's really interesting. So yeah, but Auntie Sonia, she's ready to make a spread for people and be everybody's bitch. So this is always the best for me is like in my lifetime movies. One of my favorite things is when they wrap up basically like just this horrific thing and (laughs) they um, sort of just like put a little button on it where everything's kind of cool again. So Ashley gets home and Auntie Jasmine is in the kitchen this time. And Ashley tells you that she got probation, but she can never be an accountant. Sorry, she can never be an accountant again. So Ashley tells Jasmine, um, you know, if she gets prison time, she and Grace will be there for her. So now she's a support system. Um, And she says that, you know, Jasmine says that she's, you know, going to go to the courthouse every day and watch the trial so that does she can see Desiree squirm. And Ashley's like, oh, yeah, like I kind of like that idea. Um. And so Jasmine asked her what she's going to do with her life now. And she goes, you know what? I think I'm going to try and be a mom. And so then we um, pull away from the house. Like we we go outside. We're outside. We're, we are pulling away just like being like, oh, and, and that was life. But the further <laughs> we get away from the house, we see that a woman in a white dress is staring at the house. And she is a sister that we do not know. But she is a sister that also looks pretty beat down. Yeah. I, I'm not sure like who that sister was, but she she is still very much in the sisterhood and she's gonna keep an eye on things for as long as Desiree is away. Yeah. So that was that. That's the movie. Um, we aren't doing a rating system right now. So this is just, you know, I would say honestly to watch this movie, I'm gonna read a couple of the reviews from um from the imdb because they are glowing 
Um, someone, uh, A.S. Richmond writes, she wrote this on, uh, June 17th. As someone who watches every new Lifetime movie shown on Lifetime, this was one of the best Lifetime movies I have ever seen. I thought the acting was very good, and I especially enjoyed the actress playing the part of Desiree. I highly recommend this movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> someone else says, There you have it. Um, it's, this is from Alicia E. Brahminagad. I don't know what that is. Um, eight out of ten. It's good to be queen. What? This was really good. I love lifetime movies. They're a genre all their own. Most of the time I have them on in the background while I'm doing something else. I almost always find myself on my phone while watching. Some are hard to sit through because they get stale during the middle, but this one really held my interest from the start to the finish. I would really, I would have liked a stronger ending, but it was still pretty entertaining. All the actors are very strong, especially the leader, Desiree. I really thought I was really thoroughly entertained by her. I didn't get bored once. So, I mean, fucking high reviews, I have to say. Honestly, I mean, if one thing is consistent here, Desiree is a boss, and that is what we are here for. So. Consistently, the highest um, rating for this movie, um, if you look at the overall rankings, um, it has a weighted average of 5.6. There's, you know, 25% of the ratings are 25 uh, or or 6 or a 6. you know, uh, 14 people gave this a 10 out of 10. Nice. I mean, it's not bad. Um, so again, this movie is also a double title. It's known as the sisterhood and secrets of the sisterhood. I, I like the sisterhood better. Um, that's my take on this. Um, it was filmed in Canada. Um, it was released on October 18th, so I guess it's a Halloween month special. Ooh. Overall, um, I thought it was good. They, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of movies uh, in the Lifetime world that they compare to this, including one that I've wanted to do for a while called Radio Silence, which is about um, um, like a Dr. Laura, like a younger Dr. Laura type um, named Jill Peterman, who's the highest rated call in radio show in the country um, and things go awry for her. So I really want to do that movie as well. Um, are there any performances in this movie that really grasp you? Should we look up sister Sonia? <laughs> sister Sonia stands alone. Uh, that that's a class all on her own, but I, I mean, Desiree's performance was just exceptional. Like, I, I mean, like as far as the rest of the cast, that was great. I think that Ashley, you know, Claire Coffey, I think that she did a really good job at staying like a grounding mm-hmm. force through the whole movie, even though like sometimes I'm like, honey, how are you so dumb? But that's that's acting, baby. Like, that's what that was for. So, uh, no, I, I mean, actually, the overall, the movie, I, I've watched Lifetime movies with my mom and stuff, but this one actually did hold my attention. It was entertaining. Got a few LOLs in there. Uh, I'm glad that it's something that we were able to watch. So this movie is the only movie that Sonia, a.k.a. Tierney Sloan, has ever acted in. Um, the writer is James Phillips. Let's see if he has done any Lifetime movies that we wouldn't know about. Um 
let's see. I mean, he's done he's done a lot of TV movies. That seems to be his um, main thing. He also wrote on some TV series, The Guard, Whistler, Cold Squad. I think all of these are Canadian TV shows. But it does seem like the majority of his work is in Lifetime movies. Something called The Surrogacy Trap. Oh. That sounds interesting. Um, ooh, a movie called Amber Alert. That sounds great. A movie called Fan Attic, which looks like it's probably about an obsessive fan. Yeah, it's about a female lead who's like really into, um, a sci fi series. So that could be something that we should look for. But yeah, um, The Sisterhood was his most recent movie besides a movie called Rule of Three. Um, which is about a woman named Allison whose world is turned upside down when her husband suddenly dies in a car accident. First, it's revealed that he was murdered, and then it becomes clear that Allison was not the only one mourning him. Um, and then um, I do want to say another a great actor's name is Frank, Ashley's boss. His name is Guido Cocomello. Okay, Guido Cocomello is a fucking fire name. That is a great name. He's done a lot of series and TV movies. Um, I I I recognize him from something, but I, again, am not sure what. Born and raised in Montreal, Guido Cocomello is a professional stand-up comedian and actor. In 2013, he presented his Italian one-man show. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce that um, in Rome. And as a comedian, he's been featured in the 2014 Boston Comedy Festival. There we go. <laughs> and 2015 Just for Last Festival, where he performed in the Homegrown Comedy Show. Um, so he's a he's a comedic actor, which is great. Let's see what Guido Cocomello if he's done any comedy acting. Like, because where like we got to get. He was on General Hospital. He did an episode of American Horror Story. Hmm. He was in Ford versus Ferrari as Ludo Scarfaflotti. There we and are. Nailed I it. I can't say that. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, I I'm I'm kind of surprised he's such a comedic actor, um, but has really done so little comedy. And um, the director, he seems to do a lot of French stuff. So. Obviously, he is Canadian as well. I mean, pretty great movie. I really enjoyed it. Claire Coffey. Let's see if she has any other recent stuff we can check her out in. Lincoln Rhyme. Hunt for the Bone Collector. Um, She's in a movie called All I Need for Christmas, which looks like a TV movie. She was on the TV show SWAT. Um, Yeah, she, she doesn't really have anything new to look forward to except for what looks like a made-for-TV Christmas movie. But overall, great movie. I'm going to give it um, a, a personal. If I had to do this based off the IMDb reading, ratings, I would say I would give this a six. That's a solid. That's a solid six. Yeah. For a life, well, for in a lifetime movie world, I would give it a six. As like for if this was a movie I saw in the theater, I'd probably give it a four. Yeah, I, I feel like the lifetime rating scale is a little different, but. I, I mean, if I was going to do like a video on demand situation at home, I would give it a four or five. Like, even if it wasn't a lifetime movie, I would, I would, I, a 4.5. Yeah, you're right. This is like a movie that if you were to just click on it on on demand, you'd be like, oh, okay, that was watchable. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So we're about to wrap up, which is good because this is a, a two and a half hour episode, um, which is long, but not as long as we've gone at times uh, during these quarantine times. So before we go, Allie, I just want to say thank you. You're the best. Um, she'll, we'll have all of your information for people to follow you on social media, also linked in the description of the show. Or again, we will also have some resources where you can get active and make donations yes. online and find out ways to help in America right now. We really, you know, we really need your help. If you're listening internationally, what's going on over here is just a nightmare right now. And we act like this is an American problem, but the reality is is that black people are oppressed all over the world. And this is just, it's a, it's a nightmare that we're living in. Um, so please make sure to check that out. Um, Ali, before we leave, I just want to know, if you have any lifetime movies that really speak to your heart and that, you know, maybe some of the nacho experts out there can just be validated by hearing that someone else shares some of their favorite movies. I mean, the lifetime movie that I watched most recently, and I watched a couple times, uh, it was the bling ring movie. You know, I love a bling ring moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did that with Troy. Love, love a bling ring moment. Uh, there was another one that I watched and I don't remember the name of it, but I was over again. I was with my mom and she was watching it. And at first I was like, eh, and then I ended up getting sucked in and I watched it. But if I think of the name of it, I'll let you know, uh, so we can add it in, uh, under my bio of favorite things. <laughs> but I feel like that's a very common description of Lifetime movies where it's like, I don't know the name, but it was good. Yeah, I really, I, I was really it. like, I didn't even see the beginning, like the very, very beginning part of it. But then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is my life now. I am very invested in this plot line. It was about a nanny that was like trying to steal somebody's baby. I don't remember Again. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a good theme too. That's a genre of film. So <laughs> totally. That's a very that's lifetime for sure. Um, well, you guys, thank you so much for listening. If there's another good lifetime cult movie, make sure that you hit us up on social and let us know what that is because I'd love yes. to maybe do another cult movie and compare and contrast of the two work. I thought this was a good modern cult. Um, thank you so much, Ali. I love you, love you. and thank you guys. We'll talk me. to you. Oh my God, I'm so happy that we were able to do this. Um, And you guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.